Internet friends, and welcome back to episode number 153 of Final Boss TV, the show that will most of the time talk about World of Warcraft as the community specials and the other guests come onto the show in the future and things change or whatever. But today we're talking about the Legion, the World of Warcraft Mythic Dungeon Invitational, which, which, hold on, wait, what, what, what's, what's that exactly? Hold on, there's something that, wait, what? I'm gonna pause. Hang on, wait, where's Rob? Lady I gotta <laughs> I gotta pause right there on Rob. But we're talking about the Mythic Dungeon Invitational today, so I'm sitting down with uh, a number of returning guests and some fresh meat, but I'm just gonna go around the table real quick. Do you wanna do, intro the show, Ted, like Rob intro the MDI. Can you do that for me? Dude, I didn't work in the host position. <laughs> <laughs> Alliance Horde! Dwellers of Azeroth and non-Baldians, welcome back to the <laughs> Mythic Dungeon Invitational. Yeah! I'm joined today by my ho by my guests, Slootbag, Bald Brother, and some guy with hair. Thank you very much for joining us. Wait. Well, happy to be here, you know, pleasure to have hair. Wait, hold hold on, no, Jack, you have to, hold on. I have to hold on? There's Jack looking like Ted, there it is, there it is. Yeah, but hair, so. That's the bald hair. desk, that's, you should have, what a bald no, cat. No, not happening. Not happening? Kibo already made a picture. Oh, uh, no. Kib, Kib's enough. picture is on screen. Yeah, that's, that's oh, yeah. beautiful. You got it? There we go. Everyone yeah, for feels, Jack... Feels real good, man. Yeah. Everyone, everyone for Jack to go bald and figure out how to grow uh, a beard? Uh, let's get an <laughs> F in chat for Jack's hair. Well, first thing's possible. The next thing I've, I've seen him much. try to grow a beard. Although Trekkie trying to grow a beard, that's even worse. <laughs> oh, please. Come on now. But back on the table. That's Sloot. There he is. Hi, Ted. I call him Ted. Everyone's like, who the hell's Ted? I've known this man He's for like, like a teddy bear. I, I've known you for four years now? What the heck? Yeah, man. I was there, episode one. You were. Good God. The artifacting <laughs> on my camera. I'll try to fix that during the show, man. <laughs> I think, well, this is, this is the first show back after the break, and it's the first show all being hosted on Discord with their brandly new, brandly new, brand new launched video chat. So there might be some hiccups. We'll see. We'll give Discord some feedback, but that's fine. And then Jack's here. Oh, we won't here. give you feedback. No, right. don't. Oh, shut up. Can you please? <laughs> but there's, there's Jack. He does stuff on the internet, I think. Um, where else? How's it going? See, but you need, you really need to go bald, I think. It would work. Uh, maybe if you go with it, too. With, with, if you do it, too. We'll I go. Bald is beautiful, man. Yeah. Mm. Sloot can shave us both at BlizzCon. Mm, I don't know about we that. We can have a shaving party. Yeah, but, just like right in the middle uh, of the convention center, just like start peering off people's heads. Stop it. Our fresh meat today, which is going to represent, so we have the two casters from the MDI, right? Below below right here is Jack, he's below me, <clears throat> and Ted's right there. Ugh. But we have Meow Chan, welcome to the show, sir. Hello. Hey, thank you for having me. Are you ready to talk all about actually doing the Mythic Plus Invitational? That's what you're here for. Yeah, I'm all about that Mythic Plus. If you don't know... 
who Meow Chan is, I'm gonna open with with you. Give me your your blurb, because I have a video that I'll put for B-roll later. But like, why should people listen to what the heck you have to say on the show today? What what have you done in the Mythic Plus world? Um, well, people can choose whether or not they want to listen. I've, but in general, I've been playing Mythic Plus competitively since Legion came out, uh, doing the highest levels, like multiple world firsts, um, like plus 10 on the first week. And obviously recently the Mythic Plus Invitational. You have, well, I was looking for a certain plug. You have, this is still, is this still the largest keystone done right the 26 court of stars is that still the highest yeah we, we did previous season at 26 court of stars this season before the rollbacks we did a 24 during the qualifiers which was the highest the first 24 in time right stuff like this actually we back in the day back in february i i think we started the trend when all of a sudden one day we just decided hey why don't we go up and we've done a plus 19 in time, which mm -hmm. took us a while and was the first high level that anybody ever done. And then like in the same week, it also got fast, but it was, I, I think it sparked the interest. Right. Yeah, it's, I remember seeing this video, it might've been actually a different one than the 26 first, like it hit Reddit or whatever. And then like, of course it hits Discord and they're like, who the heck are these people? And then Thor Foles was on my show, Thor was a little while ago. And it all makes sense now. And watching the madness, and this is way harder than what you did at the MDI, right? Mm -hmm. This is a totally different like realm. This is like raid level boss HP for three DPS. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it is absolutely a raid encounter that takes thirty plus minutes on this long. And the MDI was a speedrunning contest in a right. sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So going in reverse then, Jack, why don't you plug who who the heck are you? What do you what do you do on the internet? Why should people listen to your face? Because I don't. <laughs> are you done? No. I'm done, yeah. <laughs> uh I'm Jack. Uh I write uh the priest the holy and disc guides uh for Wowhead. Um and do a lot of high keys from when I can, but yeah, you know. I write a lot, play a lot of characters, I heal a lot of things. It's fun times. And slew, and, you're and I be casting. Oh, you, be casting. oh gosh, yeah, that's true. Always, always be casting. Stay casting, my friends. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're coming back to you now, Ted. I mean, you, you're gonna be mad at him for bad jokes. I mean, something evolved at the uh, Mythic Dungeon Invitational. Do you want to like talk about? Not, not his hair. Oh, yeah. Where was this banter during the cast, man? Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> too shy. Dang. But no, like at the at the invitational, something new came up from you. Were you okay. I think you were almost like planning this on Twitter weeks ahead of time with all your dad jokes. But like what, what yeah, happened I was, at the I was I wasn't planning anything. It was just I mean, it's just I, I like I, I dropped some dad jokes on stream once in a while and they're well received in terms of people cringing. That's the whole point of dad jokes. If you if you cringe, it means that I did a good job. Sure. Um, and then and then we just kind of did a couple because we did a couple at the um, when I did the Tespa one in December with Josh with Lore, and there was a couple then and people were like, ah, this guy, I want to beat him up now. So we just like tried a couple and everyone's like, they like that do more. And we're like, yay. <laughs> and then it was funny because Rich at the beginning was like, man, I hate 
I hate saying puns. I never cast them. I think they're stupid. And then I like I did a couple. And people are like, I'm so mad, but I laughed. And Rich is like, gotta practice a bunch of them. And he made like he actually he like wrote yeah. out like a list of them. It was <laughs> like, on a uh, wait, you can't. You can't it was prep. on like a bath towel or something like that. You or... can't prep puns. You can't man. prep That's them. Like the rules. That's retarded. No, Rich no. can't do that. Come on now. They were written on like a napkin or something like that. <laughs> Like I had to, I had to, I rewatched before I started, well, I was prepping the show today and bidding everything out. I was rewatching the final match in the best of five. And there was a few of them where I was just like, man, people watched, because I haven't watched the entire breadth of it. I've watched the semis into the finals, but people watched hours of these puns, Ted, hours of them. I know, just, man. Just hours. I know. I'm sorry. What have not you sorry. done? Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. God dang. But. I guess the first, like, oop, what happened there? Oh, God. Using Discord, if I touch the wrong thing, the whole thing explodes. But this is the first Mythic Dungeon Invitational. We just had the Q&A with Ian last Thursday. And they basically confirmed through, like, the year in review and that, that this is not going away. So this will not be the only one we'll have. So then... Like Switch there. Are you yeah, saying you're getting the next one soon? Well, that, no. that's, well I guess that's what... That's well, what nobody knows. Right, yeah, knows. so... Who's to say? To do this again, that's what Miao-chan wanted to bring up. As you guys were behind the scenes building all of this, um, Jack, do you feel that there'll be another one before the end of Legion? Or will this be just a thing that will do, like, maybe once per expansion? Um... The next expansion is going to be, what, like a year, year and a half, maybe? Like, there's definitely going to... Mm -hmm. I mean, if they want to do them, there's definitely going to be more, right? I can definitely see there being more during uh, expansions. And, like, with how many people tuned into it, not just, like, the U.S. stream, which I think, like, peaked at, like, 57, 58,000, but there's also, like, all the other language streams that had thousands of people watching. Right. Like, there's a huge pool of people who are watching and who are tuning into it, which was really, really awesome. Yeah, I don't know. It's loot. What do you so. think? Um, I mean, there will be more. That's pretty for sure. How often it... I mean, it, it just depends. I, I don't think their long-term plan is to do only one per one year. One done. But, uh, well, certainly not one and done, but one per year. I mean, I know some of their specific goals are to have some kind of BlizzCon involvement next year. Yeah. You know, I, like, we don't... Like, always disclaimer, we don't speak for Blizzard, blah, blah, blah. But I think yeah, that's yeah. one of their goals and whatever. Um, whether or not they would do something... If they do another one before that, it means it would have to likely still be before 8.0. Because there's no way they're going to do two back-to-back -back within like a month or something. So so it just depends. If they do only one next year, that it'll probably be some kind of BlizzCon relation. If they do two or three, then I wouldn't be shocked to see another one within the realms of Legion. But we don't know. Yeah. It's it's a huge big step. I mean, to toss this over to, to Miaocha next, too, is that they've been doing, obviously, arena coverage... And we on the PvE side have always been like, you know, the, the PvE side, PvP side always affects our PvE side, and they only cover that, and like, are they ever going to cover raids? And then they've done like the live raids at BlizzCon a couple of times, but those are basically now gone, because if one team, I'm not throwing shade, Ted, alright? If one team falls behind by like half a boss, you know they, that's it, that's it, that's it. You can't watch anymore. You just like, that's, that's the victor. So, and dark, we didn't have- Dark Shaman, never forget. Oh, <laughs> freaking Dark Shaman. I remember that. Why'd you take him in the room? Um, <laughs> just, uh, but, I mean, Miachan, do you think that this could be where they could cover PvE 
and do this like maybe like a seasonal thing like every three months twice a year like what do you hope for in this regard uh, well i can speak to how frequently they will do these things but this is definitely in my opinion the the future of pv going forward i think it's a lot more exciting than raid bosses by its very nature it's a lot more re relatable because dungeon is something that much anyone who plays this game pv does to some degree or another and they definitely need to think on what's the best way to take it forward. Hmm. Yeah, there's like a weird because their first time. And there's catch-up potential. Well, like we saw a bunch time. of times. Yeah. We, saw, we saw a number of games where, like, you know, one wipe can make like all the difference and stuff like that. It's not like you know the whole dungeon or the whole like raid races and stuff like that where it take a lot of constant groups and stuff like that for you know the other team to take advantage or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, kind of first time as in like for the program because they did the test oh, oh. in December prior. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, which obviously wasn't as full blown, but I think that one was more of like, uh, is pilot. this like it was more like, you know, the December one? It was like, yeah, it can this be a thing? And then this one was like, let's make this a thing, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Things. I don't know. Things. I don't know if if necessarily catch up mechanics because a full wipe will still set you behind no matter what. However, the the beautiful thing about Mythic Plus is that it's bite sized. You have these 20, 30 minute runs and you're done no matter the dungeon. And then you just go zero one and you can progress to the next one. Whereas if you try to do it every raid encounter, it's just it's one long stretch. Or nothing. Yeah. There's, there's too much involved in that. Even in the, the raid races at BlizzCons, they would have no trash or trash that was tied to like a boss room or whatever. But then you basically, yeah. they, the GMs just ported you boss to boss after you, you beat it, picked up the whole raid and popped it in front of the next boss. Yeah. So well, uh, in, in High Mall, they made us do the trash. In HFC, mm. they didn't. But it's just, yeah. Yeah. Just wouldn't work. It looks like it'll work though, right? I mean, and you bring up the viewership definitely was there we have another we'll break that down after the the middle of the show like the, the the thoughts going into the future of this but it definitely looked like it if not rivaled the really established arena and pvp esports live streaming but even in some cases because of all the other languages involved too it probably overtook it for dungeon races right uh, yeah, it, yeah i believe yeah. so it was very well received yeah, keep it. Keep in mind, Adam. There are also China streams that aren't on Twitch. Oh, okay. Massive viewership. I mean, the first two weekends were well over six-figure concurrent, and the last on the Chinese was streams. A, no, no, everything together. So oh. Twitch, Twitch English, Twitch various languages plus Chinese streams like off Twitch, uh, and the last weekend was over two hundred k concurrent. Jeez. So, so it's a it's a fair bit. It's not just the English right. stream. That's the main. In fact, that's actually less, but you know, but uh, than the Chinese stream. But yeah, I mean, that's usually the main one people know in the community. But yeah, there's there's a lot of people watching. No, yeah, that's wild. That's really huge. I don't know what. I don't really follow the PVP stuff. That's a question for Bajira. Like, how how are the PVE PVP streams doing? Like, and now that we can compare stats from you know the the small event, but now like the actual four weeks of the MDI versus all the the PVP sports coverage. Blizzard obviously has all these numbers internally, right? How big of a deal was it for them? So then I guess just how how was competing 
in the event then, Miao-Chen, from your perspective? Because no one actually went to like the esports arena or whatever. You all just were at your homes, just piping into the tournament realm. So then like, what what did they all get for you guys for the uh, for the event? How did it all work out? Yeah, how it was, it was amazing. We all felt incredibly invigorated when we had the Blizzard wants to do this tournament because this is something we've been doing on our own for our own enjoyment for for nearly a year at that point. And we felt like we had we created something good. We had a certain skill set that we developed and we were really anxious to to demonstrate it, to have the opportunity to do it in front of a large audience. I'm very, very grateful that we had that opportunity. Was was there any strict like rules or stipulations that like sort of blindsided you from like what you could and couldn't do? Or was it like anything within these dungeons works? Because you didn't, there were, there were obviously disqualifications, but that wasn't like rosters that we'll get into that later. But anything that like they told you beforehand where you couldn't do certain things you've done before on live or anything like that? They gave us a very general, do not use any bugs or exploits. But then okay. we went to them and we asked them, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And for most things, we got the proper answer. Probably the biggest blind side of the tournament was the actual levels that the tournament will be taking place. Oh. Until something like a week before the tournament run opened up, we didn't even know the, what levels are we going to compete in. We, we were practicing on our own time on live realm. We were doing like 20s and then we thought maybe it's going to be 15. So we were doing 15s, which is deemed now. Yeah, there's, because there's more of that too. I can bring up all this coverage, by the way, just as a early plug to uh, Raider.io, the whole website, there's a huge backend of all of the the VODs and the brackets and everything on the actual website. So if you go to Raider, free. spoiler free, yeah, it's all there's no spoilers on the stream right now. It's all it's all hidden. I hid everything. So if you don't know, I mean, we'll talk about the winners and all like that. But if you want to see where it all broke down, you can do that. So going to Raider.io and then clicking on the Mythic Dungeon Invitational tab, you've got the best times from the event plus all the brackets so you can go view all of these like they break you down and you can go right here to the watch it links you to the vod and it links the stats too did you have these stats as well like you know your gear is gonna get scaled artifacts scaled that kind of stuff did you have that information too or did that come out sort of closer to the event itself all the specific we learned when we actually got into the tournament realm Okay. And even then, some of the things we got there, and we immediately started thinking of uh, what's the best way to prepare a character. And for example, we found out we can go get gear from several sources. Mm -hmm. And we initially had the, the questions, can can we just go gear up now, essentially? And we asked them, and pretty promptly, they gave us an answer what we can or cannot use. And then there was an issue where some of the vendor gear spawned with tritary stacks. So we were like, okay, are we supposed to collect the ones that have avoidance and leech and socket on them? And Blizzard's solution eventually was to just nerf all the tri stats by 99%. So when you went into a dungeon, you could be wearing full avoidance set and you would have like five avoidance points or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think Jack commented on that too in the opening of the, the last day as you're, you're like tagged to read, was it like all the feedback that have been getting for the weeks leading up to it, like the UI improvements and seeing the talents and builds of the players? That wasn't there at the beginning. So that's, that's mm -hmm. interesting to see on both sides from the caster perspective and the player perspective, they were working on like optimizing the internals, right? Oh yeah, 
Yeah. So, I mean, one of the big things was, I mean, even from the start of week one, they're like, I want people want to be able to see this. They want to see that. And, you know, the, the big priority um, with Blizz was just like the proof of concept to be like, hey, we, people actually really want to be seeing this. Uh, this is the kind of information or this is the kind of show that we, you know, people want to watch. So, you know, from there it was adding information in like a clean format because, I mean, there's, you know, they could use like some crazy week or something like that to, to show whatever information they wanted, but they had to make sure it actually would show clean. So, you know, a lot of that stuff would, I know there's like week or I use on my stream that show like everybody's raid cooldowns. I can track anybody's CDs I want, but it's all in text files and, the way the screens would look, it wouldn't really look that clean and stuff no like way. that. So, you know, a lot of it was, yes, we know what the feedback is, but how can we present it cleanly and quickly? So that was one thing. I mean, like healing meters, for example, was like, hey, cap healing meters at two players. Boom, <laughs> added it right in. Piece cake. Everybody yeah, else, okay. all the other casters didn't like that, but I like that. And I think I think some people like healing meters. Right you are, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, it for gives nothing. That. I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> like little optimizations. So then I guess from the caster side then, Ted, like how was just casting the event? Like the good, the bad, the ugly, I guess. Like what, how do those steps go? Was each week that you flew in like a different, like a assault of like this, this, this changes or whatever? Or was it all really a smooth ride from the inside? Um, I mean, it was, it was as smooth as possible with the tools we were given and expected to use and whatever. Right. Um, yeah, we, we'd have the show and then we'd go, you know, after one day was done, we'd have kind of a breakdown in the room after, you know, the good, the bad, what can we improve for next time? Caster, sound guys, you know, video guys, director, etc. And then took that feedback and went. The thing is, you know, a lot of the feedback, like Jack was saying, that people give um, and, and we had finally internal, you know, experience and proof with this. They listen to everything. They're in chat for everything. They're in forms for everything. So they know all about it. The The reason that a lot of it didn't happen is not because they're evil and malicious and want to make <laughs> it a poor experience for everyone. Is that you'd be surprised the, the smallest thing that you think would be easy to add is not at all. Like somebody's like add like a little border or add a, it's like they don't use like XSplit and OBS like we do and you pull up a source and whatever. They have this just crazy, oh my God. They have this like uh, crazy. This <laughs> <laughs> is how he dies. <laughs> Uh, they, they have this just craziness of structure that is linked to everything. So like flipping one little switch could just break everything. So it's really tough mid-tournament to do. So even adding things like healing meters and talent builds and all that is 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 pretty tough. Um, but, you know, that's what they added, what they could. But I think going yeah. into the future of these tournaments, it's going to be a lot of... Uh, the, the goal, at least, is to really build new stuff from the ground up in terms of UI because there's certainly a lot of stuff that wasn't accessible. So in terms of how is casting, I mean, it was a lot of fun and it's awesome. We get to talk about what we do all day. We get to have fun with friends. We get to present it to the community. Cat, can you move? We get, we get to, um, you know, I, I think the cool thing about casting is you're, you're involved in the developmental process too. As sure. guys who play PvE all day, so we can help give suggestions. You know, I've been working on Twitch now for five and a half, six years, whatever. So I could be like, hey, you know, I think Twitch would really like seeing this because they Blizzard obviously has a much different perspective on it than Jack or I would, as an example, or even Meow Chen. He doesn't. Uh, well, he does stream, but he competes, and we cast it, so everybody has their own kind of spin on things, and and we kind of know what's going on. Um, but it was definitely tough because I mean, when we were casting, and I, Jack knows about this too, obviously, when we were casting. We cast with the UI that you guys see. So there was never like, 
We didn't have extra information. We didn't have talent builds ahead of time. We, especially before they revealed it at the, in the last week, like we didn't know any of this ever. So that's why it was easy to accidentally say the wrong ability. And then a bunch of people are like, no, you idiots. That's Galactic Guardian, not like uh, Incarn. Because if we don't see a spell go off, then we miss it. Then it's kind of an assumption, which we shouldn't say in the first place. Then we should never guess. But um, so that was really kind of the like the tough part of casting is we were very limited with information, which I would love to, and well, the stream in general would love to have in the future so we can better cast things. So we don't have to guess about what ability is being used, but rather know and give people the information that they need. Yeah, I guess. One thing we kind of talked about, sorry. Uh, no, there's one thing we kind of talked about behind the scenes um, was comparing PVP and PVE. Okay. Like how much like of an encyclopedia of things and knowledge and information there is with PVE abilities for all the specs across the board. So there's all kinds of, you know, things going on as people are fighting around, you know, I mean, gigantic bosses, really. So, you know, being in giant trash packs and stuff like that, getting added in together. So you're seeing people kind of like uh, flitting in and out of these trash mobs. You're trying to see what abilities they're using and stuff like that. So that was one thing that was really nice was like the observing got like better and better every week where we were able to kind of like pick up on something and then they were able to adjust a lot to it. Like I know we saw like demon hunters, for example, who were avoiding the um adamans what just his spread damage or his split damage the shared I suffering i think he just yeah. like fell, fell rushing out of it every single time we were able to like get a good camera angle on that stuff so yeah it was cool that uh that stuff was really able to build more and more throughout the tournament yeah yeah there's no horsing around there Tre <sighs> Tre trekkies and oh yeah go go for it i was gonna just yeah go for it yeah go for it yeah from our players perspective as well it was very noticeable how all of a sudden blizzard attention they were extremely attentive you you mentioned you brought something up to them and it got handled immediately uh usually you had issues with mythic plus there was just as an example there was a famous coval bug in halls of valor where you could bug him out using the shield and take no damage that bug got reported to them and it stayed on live for months and people were right. using it in the runs and it felt like there's not no way to get blizzard to to touch this and during the tournament if we encountered certain bug for example on the third boss in the city of the triumvirate where you couldn't engage him randomly like we brought this to them and within a day you got like a good answer that the, the issue was resolved or what causes it etc etc it was amazing yeah, I, the Mossel's cage bug comes up in chat. I'm sure we all love that one. Yeah. Um, yeah thank, but, thank God Jack and I aren't casting that. We're in the back. Like, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yep. bro. That's <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, but we Trek, have to deal with the upper care. Trekkie's yeah. in chat too. So I, I got to give Martin a shout out because he was one of the casters of the event as well. But the one thing he talked about with the whole adding thing is that because um, chat's not on screen. I, I can put chat on screen over Ted's face. Blech. Wait, no. No, I can't. It broke. Great, good job. Damn it. Um, I mean, with the pixelation, wait as well. Oh, wait, there it is. So, yeah, so what I. What the hell? Yeah, it squished you. Damn, dude. So, if, if, <laughs> if Blizzard adds something, they want to make sure 100% it's working perfectly instead of just adding a flimsy thing that might break. He, Trekkie's firing shots, but you know, hey. Um, that that's, that's important because obviously, how many people were watching the event? They want to make sure that when they put something in, they had like the week to like QA it before. But then Jack brings up the PvP stuff because I guess the 
the uh, observer stuff that they use for the PvP tournaments must be different because they show like the trinkets yeah. and like major cooldowns under people. There's only three people in the match versus five, but I guess that just didn't. The teams didn't coordinate that to make the PVE one also track like major cooldowns or talents on well, screen. That would be things. nice. Yeah, sure. They're, okay. So I mean, they made that specifically like for PVP and stuff like that, and it wasn't something that they could easily like pour over to PVE dungeons and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's exactly as you're saying. The PvP one was built up from the ground up over years. Right? Yeah, over a lot of time. <laughs> the, the, the PvE one, they took basically stock UI that you you know go to PTR without any add-ons or or live game without any add-ons and play, right. and and tried to make it work with that. So you know, just the the usual raid frames they added details add-on on there, and that's it. So obviously, it's incredibly limited in terms of trying to translate. A, a game UI that you use at home to play with into what should be a spectator UI to mm -hmm. enjoy various cooldowns and all that. So that's why in the future, the goal definitely is to build something from the ground up that gives a much higher level and quality of accessibility of information. And just having the resources to do it, you know, because they had no idea if this thing was even going to work or not, or, you know, of how popular it would be for, you know, the community to really watch, so... Interesting right. going forward based off what we've seen so far. Yeah, and, and then, then the stats that we'll talk about more later and that, that even Ted had to correct me on at the same time is that they didn't know how long or how much of an impact this would have. Obviously, they know now. So the the improvements will just happen in Blizzard's own fashion. That's what they do, right? They'll fine tweak all their stuff and then the next one that happens will be even better. So, I mean, you look back at, like, the only other esport that I watch has been League of Legends for a very long time. Look back at like the season two <laughs> worlds to now, like the, the the quality of everything is so much different. So it, it gives, wow, I was just catching up. This is the first PVE tournament. So yeah. yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But um, I guess that brings me to like any crazy stories that any of you want to talk about or the disqualifications that happened. No, let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the problem with crazy well I mean Meow Chan I'm sure has some crazy stories for him. the problem with crazy stories for us is kind of like eh, that's the last time we invite sleep back to the day yeah exactly um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the disqualifications were, it, was, it was actually really unfortunate that it happened on like you know the, the first day first yeah. region everyone's yeah. like this tournament and then it's just like all this like the thing is there's a couple of things you gotta realize these teams especially for this first tournament is just I mean, even Meow Chan's team, but, you know, they're more coordinated, some of those higher-level teams. It's just a bunch of bros wanting to go run some dungeons. They're not contracted. They don't have an esports manager. They're not being paid for this. It's just a bunch of guys going, hey, you know, ranging from, hey, maybe we have a shot at this. Let's go have some fun to, you know, guys who take it more seriously, like Meow Chan's group that go, hey, we're going to practice to try to win that money. But there's they have no contractual obligation. They have nothing. So... If one guy during the tournament day, and because one of the rules was no substitutions, which might change in the future, who knows, uh, goes, hey, uh, I can't, like, you know, my cat is, like, farting on me, and it's gross, and I don't want to play. Oh, geez. And he doesn't play, then the, the team, that's it, right? They're disqualified. So there's nothing, that's not Blizzard's fault. That's just the way it is. So the first disqualification came from a guy just on one of the Chinese teams just straight up violating one of the rules. Once you lock in your comp, it's in the yeah, handbook. Yeah. Everybody knew it ahead of time. Once you lock in your comp, that's it. You have to go with it. So the guy locked in like Resto Shaman yeah. and then was like, oh, uh, I want to actually play Ellie instead. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you can't, bro. Like you 
you locked in your comp. That's it. And he's like, well, I refuse. So he's just sitting there jumping around in circles as Ellie. And they're like, you have five minutes or whatever to change your comp, uh, change your spec. Otherwise, you're disqualified. And he just kept jumping around. So they're like, okay, you're disqualified. Yeah. And then the second, the second DQ was what I was saying. It's like the team lost. And then one of their players had an emergency come up. And that's it. No substitutions. Yeah. But it set a good like precedent, though, that there's... You know, Everyone was so scared after. Yeah, right. everyone was scared after, which <laughs> made things a lot smoother going forward. Because like Miao-Chan was saying, like they asked about like asking about what was going on. Like we saw, for example, what some people thought was an exploit, where on Halls of Valor, they grabbed a mug, then they ran upstairs to the Four Kings, and then they threw a mug at the yeah. king, and then allowed two at once for the very... Um, the first two. Yeah, for the very first two. So like both of them came up at once. Everyone's like, oh my god, it's an exploit. And it's like, no, actually, they asked in advance to see if they could even do that to begin with, and then Blizzard checked off on it. So, you know, setting that precedent was good because I'm sure a lot less teams got in trouble or had any issues and stuff like that because they were so paranoid and asking in advance. Okay. And that just comes down to you, Meowchan. From your perspective, building your team comp, setting that all up, like the com the communication before and, like, getting into each dungeon, like, how did that how that all go for you guys on the inside? Because you did a lot of matches, considering you went all the way to the semis. Sorry, the last part, we did a lot of matches, considering? Just you went all the way to the semis, right? You had a lot oh. of games the whole way through. So you had to do this this, pro, this this whole roster swaps, characters, building all this stuff over and over again. So how did that all work out? Okay, well, going back to when we originally formed the group, we actually we didn't have much time. Uh, despite playing all the way back to the beginning of Legion, the, we didn't have we didn't have a fixed five-man rooster at the time when they announced that the tournament is coming. So it became like this mad scramble where all the high-end Mystic Pass community were basically messaging each other, "Hey, you want to be in my group? You want to be in my group?" And we had to <laughs> really struggle to find the the proper players to play with. And we designed our group to push high keys, essentially, because right? we wanted to have like a solid all-arounder group for to have all the tools for everything. So we picked based on that. And like we, we knew we started with with uh, good players, but then when, when you play together for three months, basically every day, especially the last month or so during the tournament, we played like basically all day, every day, uh, you, you really let, like get good synergy to, together working as a team. Yeah, that's 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 the interesting part about this too, because I, I like Ted touched on this, and different different guild groups that were made have probably been raiding together for a long time, but other Mythic Plus Invitational groups probably were put together for this specific reason. So, and there's no again no contractual obligations. There was no big sponsored teams yet, right? So, I think, yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Adam. Go ahead. You're, you're good. You're good. Go for it. I, I just wanted to expand on that fact before I jumped into something else, because I, I think we're in a very important transitional period here hmm. from where there's always been kind of a, a lot of push and focus on rating as the big PVE thing. And not that sure. it's not, you know, rating is near and dear to my heart like it is with a lot of people, but there's certainly a, a pretty heavy transition from, you know, the level of hardcore rating that was slash still kind of is into this Mythic Plus competitive tournament. And, you know, it's always been like, you know, the community perception has always been lol PvE esports, and for a lot of people it still is, and that's fine. You know, how do you how do you compete in something where you don't race each other? And it's like uh how how do track and field athletes compete? They compete against the clock, you know. So 
and like swimming and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so that's kind of like one of the weirdest. But anyway, so a lot of it was like lol PVE and Blizzard's like, man, let's just try it and do it and see. And I, I think now that it's kind of shown that it's good and, and enough people like it and it's popular and people want more of it, etc. It's also going to push players in a direction from evolving from this kind of let's grab some buddies, let's maybe try to compete in this to, you know, develop in the future for a lot of practice and teams and you know, like there's probably going to be like 15 method teams in the next one and you know people are people are really going to start people are going to start pumping into it because they're going to realize that it's like whoa this is a lot of money for something i do all day and blizzard's keeping on doing these so let's do it and then with any esports they're going to start companies and sponsors are going to start jumping on it and money's more money's going to be involved and as a result we're going to see not only a much higher level of team skill and synergy across like to me meow chance team and the top four teams in it, what i would expect for the future and kind of expect over this tournament to a certain extent that should have been like the norm mm. of yeah of how competitive teams should be how serious they should take it and this in some senses and of course not to take away from you know free marcy or any of the top teams this is probably the easiest tournament we'll ever have oh because because yeah. there's so many teams I didn't really realize this was like gonna be really a thing, you know. So people are starting getting kind of jumping on that bandwagon, so to speak. Well, even looking at like the top four teams, like their path to the fine to the semifinals and stuff like that, into the finals from there, all four of those teams blew all their opponents out of the water in like almost every game, right? They were significantly ahead, you know. Um, there weren't a lot of close races. I don't think Raider IO dropped a game until we fought a hard against within uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's true. Oh, true, yeah. true. Yeah, but like, it, you know, a couple. I honestly, I don't think dropped a game ever in the regionals. I honestly don't think they did. Yeah. Wait, so the way that they were able to just burn through their opponents and stuff like that, you know, it's not going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Raider IO, you guys had yeah, zero losses in regionals and then zero losses in quarterfinals. And then you had the, the two in the, uh, the semis, I believe. Yeah. Well, so the, didn't, the, didn't the, drop till global semis. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna bring up the 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 brackets on Raider IO are beautiful. It shows like which dungeons they won, which they didn't, who they were fighting against. I just don't want to. Obviously, the spoilers are out there. It's been a week, but I'm not gonna like just brandish them on the stream. So you can go check those out on Raider.io on the Mythic Plus Invitational tab. So, but yeah, you you dropped the two matches against them, and then that was that was it. The two. Yeah, which I guess that that brings me to the side note here. Um, Jack, that keyboard though. Um, Sorry. Is uh, what was it like playing against Free Marcy then? Because you obviously don't know until after the match, like who won, right? Like you know, like there's no live feed. Basically, when the other team wins, they would tell you that you know time or whatever, or they let you finish. But how was what was the tension like playing against in the third to fourth place match against Free Marcy? Like, what you? How, how do you how do you deal with that? Like knowing that you're both raced at the same time. We we knew we were up against a very strong team. Uh, Free Marcy had a poor showing in the APAC regionals, but we later found out that it was due to their time having lag issues. Mm -hmm. And once we saw them on the quarterfinals in the Worlds, we immediately realized it's going to be a hard match. Like, not at all what we expected previously. So we, we prepared well for it. And we knew that the first game on Cathedral was, uh, was crucial. So in that particular game, the, the tension was quite high. 
unfortunately, we made a mistake on the first pass, which cost us the wipe in approximately two minutes and could not come back from that. So we went on to our counter pick and it went well. And it it's always an issue when you're playing on an enemy team's counter pick that they are going to be a lot more familiar with it than you are. Because there were so many dungeons and so many affixes combination. I believe it was something like 27 dungeon affix combinations in just the finals, in the, the quarters, the semis and the finals, that it's not possible to prepare for everything. I remember... Um, one of the commentators said that, like, yo, you have a week to prepare. It's plenty of time. It's no time at all. And this is, like, from somebody who probably played, from a team who probably prepared the most in the tournament. And mm. um, we, we the, their counter pick on Morph Souls, we basically played one time previously in practice. And I think we, we gave a good showing. We knew we were walking into a disadvantage. And unfortunately, we, we didn't have the smoothest run. And we came to to Helia, and we were unable to one shot her, to one phase her. If we one phase her, which we were something like two seconds off, then I believe our time in the end would have been within a second of one another. So it, that matchup could have easily went either way. Yeah, I, I wanna I wanna make sure I show this off too. Based on what you're talking about, affix is interesting. Not every match or dungeon was dealt with like the standard like the four, the seven, and the ten affixes. Some were combinations you can't have on live. And if you want to mm -hmm. go back through, if you're not watching the entire thing, you can go again to Raider.io and you hover over, these are the quarterfinals, so not like super spoilery. You can hover over <coughs> each of the matches and you get to see Raider.io made all the stats. They have the roster, they have the affixes at the top, they have who won the match, right? Like this is, this is some awesome, awesome coverage. Of all these spoilers. matches. Oh, spoilers. I mean, get into the court and semifinals. Come on now. <clears throat> it's a week away, okay? If you if it's going to spoil you, then you should have watched them. But um, it's pretty wild to see all the different combinations here. And you can look at every single match, every single dungeon, and you see their comps and everything. It's really nice. They yeah, that's, that's, huge... part of, that, that's part of the reason uh, to, to put a shout-out in the middle that we decided to go with Raider.io. We were not paid for this. We are not sponsored. We, we just sat there and talked about what kind of team name we want to go. And we thought, like, instead of having a, a funny, not-so-funny name, let's just go with a name that means something to us. And Raider, our developers are extremely attentive. Like, a lot of the things that you are showing right now, they got based on, on public feedback. People said, like, hey, uh, have a spoiler warning. Have, have uh, this and that. And they just implemented it. And I think they're doing a stand-up job. Yeah. No, the site looks great. So you can... You can go look and, and deal into all those too. And even like knowing the final matches, like watching the final five in the last two rounds are really interesting. Like, cause the, the routes and the tricks and the moves and, and everything else is really interesting to see. That's what's propagated now into ERT now has the note based on the MDI for like every mythic plus, like the optimal route and trash and everything now because of watching all these players do this. So it's funny to see how that's, and even the ones that actually required a lot of practice, I mean, like Arcway, for example, was the middle route. You know, mm -hmm. that was something that was never yeah. you know, done before the, for a lot of teams. So it really showed when some teams practiced and some teams died. Uh, yeah, which ones, Jack? Uh, I mean, anyway. Um, let's ah. go ahead. So, well, Thank you, RJ. <laughs> before, before we do the break and break down a bunch of stats and some more nitty-gritty things, and I plug 
all of my my nonsense. There were some interesting points I wanted to bring up. So, and it's funny that that uh, that <laughs> that uh, a certain individual is in chat right now. So, battle reses, stealth, and the balance of certain specs versus others. I don't know. I want to bring up, I mean, battle reses were obviously an interesting thing that I saw in a lot of the matches that I've watched is that they would just sacrifice people, but they have five battle reses because they're running or, or four, like three druid warlock comps. A, a certain warlock. <laughs> yeah. So. Warler on the floor. I've heard that we've had that they're going to be changing battle reses in Mythic Plus to work more like raids, because obviously just having free raid on battle reses is incredibly powerful. But how did that evolve from your side, Ted, on the inside? Like, watching groups just suddenly go, oh, we have one, then we have three, and then we have five. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's one of those things where you know it might be an issue, but mm. it's kind of like, this is our first one, let's see what happens. So Sure. There's, there's many, 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 many notes to take away from uh, the fact that, it, you know, not just how do we make the UI better for viewers, etc. There's just tons of feedback and whatever that they're going to use. Um, but, I mean, internally, it was kind of like, yeah, this is a bit of a balance issue problem. I mean, all the stuff, all, you know, the classes, having four reses versus one. Yeah, easiest fix for reses certainly will just be make it raid style and that's that. Yeah, end of story. It doesn't matter if you have four druids or one druid. Um, but it, it was very powerful. And there were a few instances, not just to allow them to skip, but also, I mean, I remember a couple of Nelf layers too, where some of the teams almost wiped on the last boss that were winning, but luckily they yeah. had like four battle reses ready and were able to completely salvage <laughs> right. it. Uh, yeah, that's what Team did. It's definitely like the, the points you mentioned are mentioned and are a hot topic for a reason because they're, yeah. you know, you're, you're striving for tournament integrity. And certainly there are a lot of issues in various areas with that, but that's always the main goal. It's mm -hmm. you know, as balanced as we can, eliminate as many RNG factors as possible, but there's always room to improve and, and do more. Yeah, I mean, Premonition had only like one battle res for most of their games. Yeah, Trekkie's you know, talking about. Too. There are very yeah. successful teams running one to two combat reses, most running two to three. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, the weird thing about the battle res strategies that I was seeing, too, is that because of the death equals five seconds, and as Miao Chan said a little while ago, like just even like 20 seconds changes the whole game. That even doing the death strats and resing people to ignore mechanics or to push past trash or whatever. The, the dungeon runs we'd think from watching, the ones that are doing more efficiently, the ones that are like skipping properly or, or sort of like cheesing paths or mechanics and then rezzing people, which is a very much a raid strat, right? That gets done all the time. Well, you got a debuff. Oh, just brick it. Oh, we'll res you. There you go. It's a very much raid thing, right? Onk, totem, etc. But then the, the, that, that actually hurts those teams. So the team that actually executes better is punished for it than just like doing your time without the death, which is an interesting back and forth that was a weird balancing point for many matches where you'd lose by, like, eight seconds. Yeah. But it also factors into how aggressive you are. I mean, if you're, yeah. you're having these battle res heavy comps and you're saying, all right, let's pull, like, really aggressively, we're probably going to have a death here, but it doesn't matter because we have these battle res, you know, but we're going to be going faster than the team that is single-pulling stuff mm -hmm. um, and have a lot less to worry about. So, I mean... 
everyone, anybody can pick whatever spec and class and stuff like that they wanted. So it's not like, you know, some people were, had those certain advantages like that. It's just, you know, everyone has the choice to run with whatever they wanted. Right. And then for making comps and stuff, Meowchan, to end on this point with you, was that ever a, how did you pick what you wanted to bring to each different dungeon based on affixes though? Like, did you ever thought like, well, we needed to do these cheesy things or have you just had these things laid out beforehand? Like the routes and the comp and the the cooldown rotations. Where like, how did you, where do you come to see all that? I very much agree with Jack that you bring combat dresses for consistency. You it, they allow you to pull aggressively and knowing that you have this backup to fall on is is uh, it it just prevents disasters. A disaster is either a full team wipe or if you have to do a boss down DPS or something, mm. um, which is also very very costly. The five seconds plus a bit that somebody dies in the middle of the run is not the, the most significant thing in the world. Um, it's just just a convenience. We we didn't actually plan any of our rats to necessitate deaths, with I guess the exception of Call of Stars where I went to unlock the gate. Um, but we we always just knew to have them is is amazing. Okay. And if you ask about um, if you ask about comp more specifically. Um, we, we found out very early in the tournament that having, um, comp diversity, that being flexible in your comp is very important. Unfortunately, we did not have this. We experimented a little bit in some of the dungeons and we came to the conclusion that it would do ha us more harm than good, but definitely something going forward is you want to have viable options for you for the different dungeons and affixes combinations. Okay. Question about that, uh, Manchin. Was and talking about flexibility. Was that something that once you it's not be about saw, this th it's not. It's not. I promise. <laughs> I promise. But like once you found out that you were doing seventeens and not like twenty things, was that something that you know even raised consideration of like, oh, we want to be even more flexible to bring X on this instance than Y on this one? Did that like so? If you had more time um, knowing you're running seventeens, do you think that'd be a lot easier to have the flexibility? And the thing is that. Like I said, the, the tournament, despite having over a month, it was very little preparation time. I, it's kind of unreasonable to expect somebody to learn a full class or spec competently while mm. doing all the other preparation. You really want to start with players who are already comfortable on what you need. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I was curious about that because some, I think some players with the whole tournament never changed. I think the yeah. most change might have been tanks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things going forward. And as much as we kind of, you know, we can only say so much and be so honest in the scope of casting at the desk and stuff. But yeah. I mean, the truth is, is it was pretty apparent that there were a lot of teams that were, you know, the analysis at the desk is more so like, hmm, maybe they're sticking with the same tank because it's a tactical thing for them. When the reality probably is that 95% of teams just weren't comfortable playing anything else for the tanks, right. for the heroes, for whatever. And I think that's I, I completely agree with Meowchan. I think that's going to be a huge advantage going forward to a lot of teams having the ability to to multi-comp. Um, and, like, the top teams are, are going to be able to do that. Like, you just need to have that because it just gives such an advantage in some dungeons slash ethics combinations. Absolutely. It's just... it's Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. <sighs> oh, God, I hate this guy. Yeah, well, you might be seeing more of him, unfortunately. Damn. Um, yeah, that's the, 
the same the same thing happens of course on like pve right and the different levels of, of raiders you <coughs> see that like they'll switch to other specs they can do that but the muscle memory in that race sense like if you need to play a sub rogue but you made an arms warrior and you only have like a month to prepare probably not enough time to like learn the muscle memory really so but he knows every player is a little different but um that's an interesting one to see when we go forward or if the rosters on the MDI in the future will have more than five players, they'd swap a player. Like, if one healer can play Resto Drew, Resto Shaman, but you want a Disc Priest, for whatever reason, <laughs> then you swap in that player? I wonder... Well, the thing is, that team probably won't even make it in the first place. But, oh! Um, but, <laughs> but, but seriously Damn. speaking now, there's, uh, there, there's, there was a lot of talk, I mean, for various reasons about the whole sub format, because, you know, in PvP, you have four players, and yeah. it's like a three. So there was talks about that, and, and probably will continue to be talks about that for various reasons. A, having that kind of diversity for the teams, um, and B, having the option, or B, ensuring that the whole, like, uh-oh, my grandma's on fire, gotta go, we're disqualified yeah. thing doesn't happen anymore, because uh, then you have a sub. But it's a bit tougher in PvE, because... You have much more... Well, I mean, first of all, you have three roles instead of just two, more or less, like in PvP. Uh, you do have tanking to consider. So what exactly do you substitute, right? Do you substitute? And how much can you trust a player that's like, yeah, I can play any of the roles, right? Chances are they'll play it a bit less efficiently than someone who just tanks or just heals or just DPSs. So it's going to be interesting to see how many subs they allow and how, how they break down the role yeah. structure. And the prize money. I'm sure... So, so. Yeah. I mean, if you have somebody on your your six man, is is he if he doesn't even substitute at all? I mean, is that going to be? I would imagine I payment, so. that'd be paperwork. So yeah, yeah paperwork. What's what's up, Mailchan? What do you have to add about the the class diversity? Um, mm -hmm. like take it. I don't know me as an example. I have a leveled up best on life that I after the tournament I thought to myself, hey, it would be kind of nice if I learn how to play Astroid. The thing is, is um, Blizzard really need to think on where they, they draw the balance in terms of like an eSport versus casual live play. Because mm. for an eSport perspective, playing multiple classes is obviously the way to go. And that's something that all players should, should learn how to do if they don't do already. The problem is, is that in order to do it in, on live WoW, you have to, well, first level up, but then maintain multiple characters. And that's so much work. Uh, you you have to do all the dailies, all the raiding, all the gear sets, all the Mystic Plus, whatever. And it, it adds up really fast. If you want to go for more than one, two classes, you basically like have to spend an enormous amount of time just on this character maintenance to keep them competitive. And that's something I would kind of like to see addressed. Because uh, again, taking PvP into as an example, if you want to play PvP on multiple classes, you basically level the class to 110 and enter an arena. And you get all your gear standardized. Maybe you're a few percent short of somebody who's like way more gear than you, but you basically are ready. Whereas in PvE, you use your own gear. So that has many ramifications. I think if they accelerated, I, I don't remember specifically what it is. Maybe you can fill me in on this match. And the time between uh, the proving grounds, qualifications being complete, them deciding who qualified and then getting you guys on the realm and then the tournament itself. Like if there was a broader amount of, you know, a, a larger amount of time for teams to practice there. And then, you know, maybe their character on live servers isn't too, you know, geared up or buff or something like that, but you're able to say, okay, now we can just switch over to attorney realms and we'll be all set. That'd be one way to yeah. alleviate it. 
That that would obviously be a big help. The the sooner you get into tournament realm, the more time you have to set up everything just the way you like it, and that can include your your class specs. Mm. Um, but I still would like to see a way on live, and I think it would benefit the game, because I'm sure for many players there are other classes and specs that they would enjoy playing, and it would add a lot of depth to their gameplay. But they never even get the chance to because the the process is so tedious, so they don't even try it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I agree and I disagree. I don't think there should be a way to just automatically boost someone in PvE and then have a completely geared whatever you want to play and play it. There needs to be some form of progression. I mean, that's the whole point of an MMORPG. Yeah. Right? That's the whole point of PvE at its core in terms of, you know, the values that Blizzard has in it. But I do agree with you that it is very restrictive, um, even, even to the point of the way that did qualifiers now. I mean, guys that had some form of mythic rating under their belt in terms of gear breakdown had... A fairly meaty advantage you know considering all other things going into a lot of the qualifiers so i think it's certainly i, I mean i know for a fact it's certainly something that they're looking pretty heavily at for the future but you know the the easy solution that everyone thinks right away about well just put everything on a tournament realm qualifiers on a tournament realm go practice on a tournament realm you know the more well first of all there's tournament realm capacity right you can't just yeah. have thousands of people constantly going on tournament realms trying to compete for the qualifiers and then b is you know blizzard is very rightfully so protective of the of their innate game right they don't want more and more players living in this fantasy tournament realm that's not really yeah. representative of the pve realm where you just get whatever legendary you want and you get the loot from tier 19 935 and you get whatever you want so they're that's why it's not as like easy snap of a finger just to put everything on a tournament realm and go. So it's actually a really tough problem that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. So I'm not really sure how yeah. they're going to approach it going forward, but I do know they want to avoid the whole like, as much as they can at least, the whole like, yeah. oh, well, People the guy that's a mythic raider. Yeah, 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 that kind of stuff. So I think Blizzard have a big decision to make here, whether they plan on making Mythic Plus an eSport or some viewer event that happens every now and then and people come and watch. And the, the, the displayed skill level, you mentioned before that uh, some of the teams were maybe not what you were expecting. I think that that would have a lot to do with it. I'm sure that the next Mythic Plus tournament or two will, will get a high viewership and many players excited to participate like in the first one. Yeah. But you have to ask yourself, like going forward, like the future of Mythic Plus, where, where does Blizzard see themselves in five years? You know, five years maybe is a long time, yeah. but um, but like, do they want to make this a thing? Well, the way um, I see, I, <laughs> we'll, we'll... I, I, I that's just a proven success thing, right? I mean, yeah. if, if if it yeah. if it at least maintains or grows in if it at least maintains, but also perhaps grows in popularity, then it's something they can invest in. But it's it's really hard right now, even as successful relatively as this tournament was, for them to just drop everything and be like, we're getting dedicated developers just for. Mythic. And then, like, how are they going to do it? Are they going to do class balance? Chad. Are they going to do class balance <laughs> about only in the world of PvE, M plus esports, and then have a separate build for, like, live PvE, and then they have a PvP one, and then we're just starting to fragment and shard fragment all this the stuff. entire game. Yeah, and Blizzard. Yeah. But that's, like, that's like super no-no. You know, like they want to keep that as consistent play, as possible. Learning how to play your class for Ray, learning how to play your class for Mythic Plus, learning how to play, play your class for PvP, like, ugh. Uh, what about the scary. challenge mode example that normalizes all your gear to a certain item? 
it would be, I think a solution going forward would be something like that, where you have the option to purchase like a practice key, let's say, mm -hmm. that doesn't give you the vanity rewards, doesn't give you AP, doesn't give you gear at the end of it, but you could go buy a key separate from your regular keystone that's uh this is a practice key you will be tuned to x eye level for this you still have your own gear so you know what i think that's just kind of where you got to cut your losses you do have your own gear so if you don't have that super special trinket that you want from whatever raid exists then then you don't have it but the benefit of the scaled eye level thing is well guess what you do have it if you want if you have an lfr version it'll get scaled up so who cares um yeah. so that's certainly an option that's that's one of the better best of both world solutions solutions don't put everything on a tournament realm but still have equal it would be better for the qualifiers as well because like you mentioned previously some some gear like method won't just have a few extra item levels on the competition yeah yeah yep. an extra effective health when you go against tyrannical xavius you know you get one mm -hmm. shot <laughs> well we have stats to break down and whatever like that we'll get into those in just a moment um there's just there's a lot of stuff to, to, to go over here, but I'm going to blab about some things and then I'll turn the mic back over to these lovely gentlemen again, of course. But first off, the show would not be here because of the adpocalypse on YouTube and the nonsense that is happening on that corner of the internet without the support of Patreon now. So if you want show notes, BTS, additional podcasts, and more of this, there's like 20, it's like almost two dozen or more podcasts that I put together and as the show kicks back up again as we go into beta sometime in the next year and then start the next expansion again you want all that stuff like that too but a shout out real quick to Truffles, Ludovicus, Ludovicus, Tazlin, Dalthier, and R4 for their incredible support but links down below links in the video description box on YouTube if you're actually currently watching it but you can get the show notes are there and then the the BTS podcast there's 24 of them there's 24 of them, and these are just like no holds bars, behind the scenes, just nonsense when I set up these shows with the guests. So if you want more of me talking to nerds about stuff, then you should do that. There's a two-hour one with Preach and myself for the uh, the Legion special we recently did. That one is is rather juicy. Or, of course, if you want to support the show in a more physical sense. Yeah, sell out, get them, boys. Yep, indeed. Then there is the official apparel store, and he's in chat right now, and it's it's BlizzCon, and it's buy one, get one half off if you want to blame this silly sparkle dragon and then go give him a hug at BlizzCon. You, you can do that if you'd like. So you can go check all these out. These support me working with other artists. Like, I don't do any of this myself. These are all different artists that are commissioned in our little corner of the world of, of Warcraft. It's a bad joke. To, uh... To make all these things for, for me and then to get them out to you guys. If you want to go check those out, again, links are down below and it keeps the show going. We're 153 episodes in and I have no plans of stopping. So the support from you guys in the Patreon or here on the channel or over on the Designed by Humans apparel shop, it all helps a great deal because YouTube is terrible now. What is what is that? <laughs> Leave Celestalon alone? Mm -mm. Again, the shirt's right. It's right here. It's right there. Right there. Yeah. Alright. So, I want to bring up the, the stats of the event and nitty-gritty stuff. There's this huge Reddit thread. Well, it was a Reddit thread that it became a medium post, a big blog post. So, we'll get 
We'll get a little spicy right now, I suppose. This huge thing, I'll bring it up on screen. It'll be in the video description box down below, of course, too. Um, this was put together by Slenderman, which is an author from Stormarth and Lava. And there's a huge breakdown of everything. And I guess I'll sort of go around, because healers and tanks up first. And this was sort of the, the, the comment that came up about before the break, right? The spec diversity and, and all this kind of stuff like that. Mm, but What's that big red piece there? What's that big red piece? <laughs> so, like, a, a quick one over is we have, stat, we have specs that we're almost in all the time, right? So blood decays, bear druids. DPS, arms were subtlety rogues. And then healers, holy paladins, resto druids. We had some specs see very little. We had one Mistweaver monk. Four prot warriors and two elemental shamans, and then we had specs that weren't seen at all. So no holy priest, no holy enhancement priest. Shaman. <laughs> yeah, no holy enhancement shaman. No enhancement. <laughs> I mean, we know the problem. Where's shamanistic rage, Chad? Chad. Anyway, <clears throat> um, but this huge breakdown goes through the entire event. So this is tanks. This is tank breakdown. So I mean, I don't. Ted, you play tanks. Why is blood decay so good? I do. I don't know, Chad. Why is Blood DK so good? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I kind of want to preface this because we're, we're going to go down a very ranty road in a moment. Sure. Um, I do want to preface this by saying that I don't envy the balance class, the, 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 like the devs at Blizzard for class balance and stuff. It's really oh, sure, nasty sure. That's, and that's... tough. Because what you got to yeah. keep in mind is they need to balance these classes for the global ness of pvp so to speak you know what i mean they got to balance them like the the balance that exists has to be shared between dungeons and plus your yeah. heroic dailies all other stuff that you do rating of all difficulties blah 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 so chances are you're going to get some over representation in one versus the other and i guess this is kind of what mio chan was touching on as well where you know it would be lovely to have some kind of mythic plus only balance but how much is Blizzard going to fragment their game? Because there's so many other hugely important aspects to Blizzard and PvE that makes it tough to specifically balance for Mythic Plus. Now, more to your point, the whole tank thing. I mean, there's just huge advantages to having bears and DKs. Battle Reses is one of them. Uh, and for DKs, consumption, support. I mean, the control with their grip on things like Sanguine or just in general, having grip as an interrupt. DKs just have such an amazing package for M plus and druids of course have a ton of damage as well i mean all the tanks bring their own respective things but when you're looking in terms of ultimate control i mean we just saw we, we commented at the desk all the time when we were live and i'm sure meow well, pretty much everyone can support this how important grip and aoe grip is i mean just the amount of extra dps and control that it brings is just insane so when you're in a head-on race against another team you'll take every small advantage you can get kind of thing no yeah that that's fair I think the biggest thing that, that brought blood to the forefront here, what, I mean, you touched on it too. I mean, it's grip and probably consumption. That 20% leech on your whole five-man group is ridiculous. No. Like, it's the, really the, nice. The, the timing that you can do as a tank with that is ridiculous. And obviously they, they get that and a battle res, and then Guardians have that and Roar and a battle res, right? They don't have consumption, but they have their own nonsense. So it just it shows. I think the only time you guys talked about Prot Warrior was Spell Reflect Cheese. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's got it's like you know all all the tank classes certainly have something they bring. I mean AOE Silence on a Vengeance and you know kind of like budget AOE grip, but AOE Silence is huge on them in something like Arcway, 
Europe, for instance, yeah. you know. So a lot of advantage that that's why you're seeing a, a bit of representation. Well, wait, 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 too. I want to stop you right yeah. there, Ted. You're talking about okay. AOE silences and controls. All right. I'm not even going to bring up the fact that like what 90% of the tournament was Horde. Yeah. Is, is there a pie <laughs> chart for that? I don't think there is a pie chart for Horde versus Alliance. I don't think there actually is. Because I think, like, everyone was Horde. And I wonder why they were. Hmm. The why? Alliance that were represented, though, actually has... I think it's for goblins. Ugh, don't talk about goblins. Yeah, they want to be able to have their, their banks access mid-run. Oh, yeah. shut up. <laughs> when punted off a platform, they could rock and jump back on. I wonder, oh, if, I wonder if Arcane Torrent is too powerful. Nope. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. Let it go. Oh. Horde versus like Alliance is maybe a tricky conversation because if you play in Alliance, it's really unfortunate for you in in the <laughs> situation. It, you're just you're just behind. You're like um, on nearly every dungeon, you want uh, Blood Elf ratio. Wow. Uh, when it comes to classes, though, uh, I wouldn't. If I were Blizzard, I wouldn't try to balance all the classes for Mystic Plus. I don't think it will ever happen. I think it's too much. And kind of treat it like a game like, I don't know, League of Legends, where you just have certain champions who are more viable than others. That's, that's kind of the way it's going to be. I, I don't think there's any way to not have that as a thing. It, it, that's in every aspect right now, right? I mean, Method had five and four subtlety rogues or whatever the rogue combination mm -hmm. was for the last two fights in Tomb. Like, 25% of the roster in a Mythic raid was one class and one spec. That's going to happen always. That's fine. To a degree. I'm just shouting out and being salty at Blood Elf, the Arcane Torrent being way too strong. Don't be jealous. Don't be salty because your alliance behind. Oh, you're playing alliance. I'm very sorry. Yeah, he is. There Throw it is. His alliance. There, there it is. There it is. Yeah. I, I guess so. Meow Chan obviously mains healer and so is Jack. But, so they will bring up like DPS sort of back and forth. But the healers, um, th there's, a, there's a pie slice missing, Jack. Oh yeah, Jack. What's little, you know, show me a little slice, mm. little slice of life. Oh no, holy priest! My imagine my shock. Well, I mean, what's funny about this too is I remember back on like my spec shows earlier on where we always talked about the beginning of expansions. Holy priest, way too good. And then what mm. happens what? as gear goes forward? Every expansion so far for the last three, all of a sudden, discipline priests are way too good. What? Hmm. Are we are we in the same universe here? Hmm. I mean, having bubbles, having, I mean, extra effective health is really nice. Uh, yeah. Things really hurt, so actually having, like, a damage reduction personal is really nice. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've just been, like, one shot um, in even non-tyrannical keys. Actually, I was doing, like, an 18 or 19 BRH last night. I dropped barrier. Uh, I had powered shield. I had clarity will shield. Uh, darkness didn't let me dodge the damage or something like that, but I just, like, didn't hit Fade, and then I died from, like, the, uh, the Shadow Bolt volley right there. And I, I was overkilled by 18k. Like, it was ridiculous. So, Why aren't like, you wearing a stamp flask? I mean, whose fault is that, bro? Ah, pretty much, dude. You got it's you just, there. It's, like, little things like that where you just take so much damage from everything and, you know, not having those personals. Um, like, this overall has, like, some really, really good benefits to the group. Um, yep. And it kind of reminds you of Paladin a little bit, where like Paladin does have that group wide Diva aura that they have access to. Disc has shields for everybody, um, the barrier for everybody. So there's a lot of like big benefits to it. But when you're not having access to you know extra defensive abilities, you saw like a lot of this priest just got like one shot in big keys. You guys are ready in your pajamas. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that. Uh, well, the the one thing that's actually noted here too, each each underneath each of these 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 figures are sort of like the notes from the event, and it's funny that that. And Meowchan play as a holy paladin. Paladin is popular for its healing throughput and utility in the form is based on blessing and protection, freedom, excellent fell explosive damage, and unparalleled single target burst healing, which is all high keys or the keys in this set are all about because of the gear lowering, right? Like you just get chunked, you have to be healed up, or you're going to get chunked again and die. So that's interesting that it brings up all. I mean, Paladin's always had a great kit, but. And it's funny that Meowchan brings up, like, I'll try a Resto Druid after the fact, but you Holy Paladin the whole thing, right? I did. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think that the level the tournament was on was a bit low for both Holy Paladin and uh, Bloody Decay. I would mm. say that both of these classes in our group comp that we usually run with is more suited for high keys. It's just, um, when it comes, like, when you're doing 17, which is basically low keys, like right now on live players are running like 22, I believe has been done already in time. That's like all the mobs on the 22 have 60 or so percent more health and damage than the mobs on the tournament run. Um, so when you're doing low keys, they don't really stress you out as a group. And, and the, the trick becomes how do I speed up the run by, by pulling more trash and bosses you don't generally speed up. It, it basically all comes down to the damage. And I think uh, both of these classes just lose out when their extra utility is not needed. You mentioned the Holy Paladins having great uh, burst DPS or burst healing. They do also uh, burst DPS, but it is, um, it's not sustained and long enough. And in tournament situation, you can have a Restro Druid generally keep, keep the party with some hearts. We've seen a good one with, uh, with uh, Excelsus from uh, Free Marcy's. He did, uh, they did their uh, 18 tyrannical vault of the world and he just hoarded everyone, went cat and did the whole boss in like 800, 900 KDPS. Yeah. That's something that, that you can do in, on a paladin, unfortunately. I think the only, person, only holy paladin we saw who did like that kind of level damage was like uh, Death Lops. I think he was one of the only ones who was doing like the constant damage, but you saw people almost dying, lack of healing just constantly, where you just like completely ignored everybody, just the DPS. <laughs> That's where the consumption comes in. Yeah, see, there so, it is. Yeah. Consumption, consumption is fine. It lets you do more damage, but you still, your damage won't be high enough to compensate for okay. losing a damage of a Guardian Druid and I guess the rest of Druid as well in low keys again. But in high keys, it's amazing. I would never swap. You're talking about damage, uh, the, the damage breakdown. This is for melee, before chat freaks out. Um, again, interesting, a little, uh, little back and forth here on... And there's Distora, mm, one of my mods thinking. in chat, asking, where's the wheelchairs at? They're right here, there's two of them. <coughs> but, so... Hmm. Fury Warrior. Yeah, was, oh. there, it was two Fury Warriors. One, un one unholy DK. Yeah. Two Fury Warriors, two weapons. Um, when you get it's kind of like what Mio Chan's saying right I mean you know Jack Mio Chan and I are in the you know in the hardcore analysis realm or however you want to put it of of the healer and tanks but I mean it doesn't it's not hard to realize the advantage that rogues brought not only from a damage perspective but utility too and I mean yeah. when you have an arms warrior bursting you know like 50 mil on the entire pull Yep. leading up to and including the first boss in MOS and no other class can touch that. You, know, you can kind of get some classes close, but I mean, this is a tournament, like Neochan said, where the level of the dungeon was all about 
immediate burst cleave damage kill everything really quickly there's no time for classes to ramp up and dot rip shadow priests and you know yeah whatever. yeah so no wonder you're seeing such a high representation on a class that just completely out muscles anything else a class spec that completely out muscles anything else it's just you're just shooting yourself in the foot at, by not using one at that point now i'll bring up you guys can keep going uh, this is the range dps chart so which I think it's oh, go ahead jack go ahead uh, i think it's inevitable i mean it, we've seen it all the time in other you know esports and things like that anything competitive there's always gonna be like the preferred like oh my gosh this thing is so valuable over this thing but it's gonna be interesting to see like going forward how I mean, we, and we've talked about this already, like how they're going to balance this out. Cause you know, a lot of PVP, correct me if I'm wrong, is focused on like 3v3 arena balance, making sure 3v3 arena is in, you know, good, sh good shape and stuff like that. So, I mean, how are they going to be doing this? And like you said, you don't really envy being the balance team at this point, because there's so much to balance around. There's so many different parts of the game now. Yeah. So competitive. It's interesting. It's, it's just, it's funny to see, and this is probably just, it's a really personal gripe. That uh, that's oh that's not. You it's just shaman. No, it's elemental as well. I mean, but this has been a thing we've been talking about since beta. Is that shamans just die? It's it, holy priest. Jack and feel for me. Like you have like one personal sort of, or you're dead. The cloak, the legendary cloak. Yeah, the legendary cloak. <laughs> I was talking like desperate prayer, which is a huge health though. But whatever. Yeah. Like, like you. you it, it's, and it's an effective health increase, but when you just sure. get one shot by that stuff to begin there's, with. Like the, extra, the extra health does not make up for the lack of damage reduction. And so it's just, I'm this, usually this, using like Guardian Spirit to survive yeah. or I'll just cloak and, and switch off the cloak afterwards. But that's not, that's not a defensive. That's not part of the kit. You can't count on that if you don't have it. So then you just die and you're dead. Well, and, and that's the thing is like going forward, how are they going to balance for high keys? You know? Right. And I mean, if we saw these kind of breakdowns every single tournament not necessarily for the specific classes but if we saw like you know things switch up from time to time where the meta shifts and everyone brings this this time everyone will bring i don't know unholy dks this year yeah month period everyone will bring warriors this period you know that that'll be fine because that's inevitable right but it's always something to look at going forward it's just change it's just a, it's just a and coattail on this whole discussion as before like the the breakdown this is the the dps by role so not going into like what specs were brought but this is just the overall melee dps and range dps back and forth which is a pretty good ish spread right so that's fine it's just that when you then dig into and a lot of you brought up and if you look at the actual just final matches on what classes were brought it's even more of a disparity that mm -hmm. And this goes for Mythic Raids. I mean, Ted dealt with this, I'm sure, when you were working on KJ before I was, before it was nerfed. I don't think Jack was there. We were both in the same vein when it got nerfed again. But, like, if if you can't survive, then you're just a liability to your whole, like, raid. Squad. Or your whole group. Your whole squad. So Squad. Your squad? It's just, it's tough being a spec that just dies. Yep. Versus I mean, there's Bible thumps. There's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear you, right? But I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. I, 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 wow. I, wow. I hear you, but, but the thing is, you know, I, I mean, there's always this kind of ultimate glory design goal for Blizzard where it's, you know, bring the player, not the class. That's been, you know, that was the famous line given what, like MOP by Ghostcrawler or like Cat or something like that. Sure. And everyone's like, always bring the player, not the class. The thing is, as soon as you get to higher and higher levels of competition, that, 
deal with like Meow Chen mentioned earlier is just the numbers get high to the point if you need to min max you will always have disparity between classes period now is it too high in some areas yeah probably you know and you know they'll fix that up as needed hopefully and whatever but uh, unless you have 12 36 class specs that are completely homogenized if you're pushing for the hardest content you will always bring what even has that 0.1% better advantage yeah. now that in my books is okay. What's not okay is something that completely just is not viable, period, right? Like you can't, like you're not only a small numbers loss in something you're trying to min max, but you're actually a detriment to your team because of your inability to do X or to survive or whatever. Yeah. That's a problem. But it's it's, a, it's tough, right? Because yeah. there's not so many things that PVE can test, you know, movement, uh, movement speed, you know, stay out of fire, absorbing damage, immunities, things like that. And there's just certain classes that perhaps are swinging too far in one direction. But yeah. Well, if I was going to bring up a little a, a little salty quip, why did a, a spec that already had three to talented to four defensives gain one, and a spec that only had two lose one? I think it's just because Lustlon hates you. But <laughs> <laughs> I do all this is beta testing right now for this. Ah, well, it's a soapbox for you guys later on. It's a bit of mine. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but come on, come on now. Like honestly, honestly, honestly. Yeah, honestly. So, anything else to wrap up on classes and hey, specs and representation or anything like that? Just because some classes die all the time doesn't mean it's a disadvantage. We saw the Warlock die all the time. Every single run, he died, okay? And the team honestly always rezzed him, was always there for him. Aww. I mean... It's worth it. Yeah, you need oh, to have just, a, a... Who had four stealthers, so they kept, skipped past every single pack of trash they didn't want, and they let him die, but... Yeah. They lost the Warlock, <laughs> but they gained friendship. Exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trash can, not a trash cannot. Jack! What? <laughs> <laughs> he had a great. He went along with it too. We were doing like I know, and he's just laying down on the floor like all like tea bags and stuff. We saw that. It was in the turn of it. All right. <sighs> he was perfectly fine being the human sacrifice. Right. Jack well, does not speak for a Blizzard. No, he does not. <laughs> he definitely does not. Obviously. So I guess anything else to wrap about about specs and classes and whatever from your point of view. I mean, did did Miachan, You talked about this a little earlier, but. Was there a lot of changing around you guys did with yours, or you just made work what you had in your group? Because I don't know how that feels from like the the your side, because you could build whatever characters you wanted on the tournament realm, but if you didn't, like some teams were swapping a class or a spec like every run, every dungeon, but not every team did that. So like, how does that work out from your perspective? Because you said again that the keys were too low, so you say you can swap, but but. It's really not that much time, a month and a bit, to like master a class for a tournament. That's not where you want to be. You want to already do all the preparation work beforehand. I have like at least year on Legion, even going before that, playing the Holy Paladin. I'm not going to start fresh now. Right. Um, when it comes to, to class balance, I suppose we always joke, used to joke around that uh, Blizzard just doesn't play certain classes, so, mm -hmm. so they're weak. You complain about shamans, like Holy Priest, uh, like Druids are generally very strong against Blizzard plays Druids. I don't know how true or not it is, but you're always going to say, like uh, like Slu said, it, it will never be completely balanced in these terms. Um, how we did it, we 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 chose, we, we did some adaptation before, but when we chose our players, we didn't traditionally run with uh, Boomkin. 
for example, we added him because we thought the utility would be great. Also, some of the things that we like so pu pushing high keys. Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of how we went with. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know how that would work, it, or if you. Because I, I I brought up stealthing earlier and and all that oh, madness. Yeah. Certain dungeons really work with that, but we've had stealthy ever since Mop with challenge modes in the first place and invis pots. So that's not a new thing. Just that Shroud of Concealment's obviously on a very short cooldown in comparison to a 10-minute potion. But um I don't know. Uh, we, we had we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with oh. We with the Shroud specifically. We came up with, with some interesting ideas and routes that uh, a lot of the time the casters and the camera guys miss, which made me very sad. And some of the dungeon we just never got to play. Well, I'll, you say, is this is this route still a thing you do in Court of Stars? I want to show this on screen. You wanted me to show this B-roll. Um, I'll just bring. Yeah, we, we got we got to do it in tournament as well, and the casters were very good for this. It wasn't Jack or Slut. It was uh, well. Not to name it. It's so frustrating. But, um... We're sitting in the back. We're like, they're like, what? He's going to open the door. And chat's like, you're like making stuff. Yeah, so there's a way you can drop into the water and then you water walk over. Oh, that's that's very old. That's been long fixed. Since yeah. Then. Okay. This is not in the gate. You can't do this anymore. But no, but but the, the exception comes after the first boss where you send one player to run through the building and everybody else just run back to the graveyard. With the back door. Yeah. This is footage from Meow Chan's 26 Court of Stars, by the way. Um, this was oh, this... And, and like, okay, another thing, like, you, you're showing this video, and this is something that, that's very important to me that I want to address. This run that you're seeing here is the run that, that we made it, and that took us something like 55 tries <laughs> to get this run to work. Wow. It, it was basically, it was during the good week, you spend something like between a day and three days just obtaining a high key that you wanted to do, and then you rerun the key over and over, and you figure out exactly how you want every pull of the dungeon to work. And if something goes wrong, you start over. And that was something that was available to us in the past, but nowadays you can do that. Nowadays you get a high key, you go, something goes wrong, run is over. You lose the key, you have to go another dungeon. And yeah. that is something that is the... Um, that is the antithesis of uh, of PV. In PV, is all about you get to try again and again and again until you have everything perfect. And it was it was a lot of fun. It added a huge amount of gameplay value. Uh, like for me, this is what high keys are about. This is what Mystic Plus is about. Like more than the tournament, and I really enjoyed playing the tournament. The tournament was a lot of fun for me. But this, I think, is the core of Mystic Plus. Just going. We, like you have an infinitely scaling system where the numbers keep going higher and higher, you will always have a difficulty that's hard for you and requires you to to play everything almost perfectly to get it right. And you just you have to redo keys to get it. And the seven to five change that made keys um when you fail a run made keys drop one level and change to random keys just kind of took took away a large part of Mystic Plus to me. This is something that I would like to see addressed. Um, if going in, maybe a little bit deeper into this, I certainly understand Blizzard why they did the change where they uh, removed the pleaded keys. Because for most players, your typical player, you have a depleted key, it's like your key is gone. You, like no group will ever take you with a depleted key, nobody will run it. 
you just you tough luck you have to wait for next week and maybe somebody left your run in the middle and, and broke your key maybe something else happened um that's kind of the way it was so so i certainly would like i i support the change but i would like to see um an accommodation that would also allow players to push high keys one proposal that um that been mentioned and i cannot take credit for i i heard it somebody else suggested is you can have a system where if you fail a run, your key gets depleted in your bags for the same dungeon. And then you have the option to right-click it in your inventory and have the key downgrade one level and becomes undepleted again, so you can run it. But it would also allow players who are interested in going high keys, which is something you see like we used to do and something that um, many players are doing to this week, um, then that would facilitate that. And I think it would be um, like highly beneficial. Yeah, because I mean, because with this spin right now, as Chaz clean back up, it's not a random key; it's just a minus one. But that means that the the, the problem is, and what Miao-Chen was getting at is that they they can't continuously practice the same key, because when you like, yes you can't keep going on the same run because the key will keep going down. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, and then when you actually complete it, like if your goal is to get a 25, 26 core stars done in time, well, you completed the 23 or 24 in X amount of time, and now you get a random key after that. And then it's, a, ra it's a random, yeah. And then it, you so can't you're not, even you're not do... continually going up and getting better, better, better at quarter stars. You're just, you're bouncing to something else then. Even, right. even say you had like your 25 quarter stars, you run it one time, you fail. Now you have uh, something else 24, like... Or even even if you didn't complete the dungeon, you have a 24 code of stars, you run it, you get it in time, then you have a new random 25. That maybe you don't have the group comp to run, maybe you don't want to run, maybe you just you wanna rerun the same dungeon over and over. I think it's natural. I think it's it's almost mandatory. And you like that's one of the things that would spark the interest. You see in all the streams, everybody who says they're running high keys, they get all the views because that's what people wanna see. That's exciting. And um, that's the thing that would entice the best players in this game to actually spend their time doing Mystic Pass because nobody wants to do low levels. That's, that, that, that's very repetitive. It's not challenging at all. It's, I consider it not to be good gameplay. Like, from a casual perspective, it is, but not from a more hardcore mindset. Yeah, there could be, there could be definitely improvements on this. Nothing, I don't think, that'll land in legion this would be system changes they would put into place in 8.0 most likely though yeah, probably yeah yeah we'll have to just wait to see but the feedback is obviously important and getting it out there and the proper channels is good not just this not my show right like getting it out there mm -hmm. and hopefully they they, they improve <laughs> upon that i think that that's a very minute change that shouldn't require the overhaul of the system and and there are certainly plenty mm -hmm. of overall in ideas if you want to remake mythic pass from scratch you can you can disguise the limit in terms of what you can change about this. But this specific small change by itself, I think, would add a lot of life to the Mystic Plus going into the next expansion all the way between here and there. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure like the first the first expansion of challenge mode with Mop, we saw changes going into Warlords. So the first expansion of Mythic Plus and Legion, we'll see changes going into whatever 8.0 is called. Right, the void hungers and whatever. Legion two. Yeah, <laughs> Legion. Thought Argus was over. jeez. Oh, <laughs> so, I get this sort of brings in the feedback of the community response. Goes into the next topic I have of the live event and the viewership. And we had like the one picture that I'll just throw up on the screen right here. This is just the 
Warcraft's Twitch max concurrent viewership for the calendar week. Obviously, the always on the right side is the semifinals and the finals. And as Ted went over earlier, this is just English, just the Warcraft Twitch. None of the language streams, none of the Chinese streams that aren't Twitch. And this is a pretty huge graph just to even look at in the first place. But I guess then does that... When you started, when you went in, was there like a a goal or, or something you were you were talked about or like a, a what was going to happen before and then like as the weeks went on how were like the updates and the briefings changing on how the the growth and the the community response was was going for it ted um uh yeah i mean you know i, I don't really know if we're frankly allowed to share like specific numbers of sure. goals no, no, however no. what i what i can say is that not that i think that's a big deal but I'll just be safe. Um, however, what I can say is for sure that the like n numbers blew them away overall. Even even within the first week, which were overnight casts to hit you know China APAC prime time and you know a lot of the the, the bread and butter of NA and EU that you'd expect were not viewing because of the or you'd expect not to view because of the bad hours. I mean, numbers all around for every single cast were well above what was what would have been deemed to be like this this is the goal we wanted to hit this is good this is acceptable this will give us fuel to move forward so everything was very successful from a numbers perspective um certainly acceptable at least so yeah okay. i don't remember them ever putting down like a specific number that they wanted but you know you could tell they were really pleased that there was that big of a response and it also really showed in the meetings that we would have because even during the meetings we were talking with like how can we make the show better? And they were really, really receptive to saying, we want to make it better. We want to see what the community is talking about. How can we adjust things? And, you know, like I said, what can we do quickly and easily, cleanly for the show? And that was one thing I really liked, you know, the player introductions as we were able to go through all those, showing what everyone was doing and showing, you know, their setup gear and stuff like that, their first set of gear that was going out. It was really nice. I got to say myself that um, I'm, I'm not surprised. I knew it was going to be this big. When back when we released the Code of Stars video that you just link it uh, got featured on MMO MMO Champion and thank them for that, and it, the video ended up getting something like uh, seventy thousand views, which like blew us away back then. But that's when we figured out that wait, there's, there's huge interest in this. This is something that people actually want to see. This interests them because it's it's essentially PV content that's done, you know. Uh, higher than what most people do right so it's I, very exciting I, to see I, I don't think that like there was any doubt in anyone's mind to be quite honest that the program would fail like there was never like a, oh my god i hope somebody watches this and people might not sure um for sure like you know pve is just such a hugely like done thing for wow i mean it's it's for the most part a lot of wow's bread and butter of course no offense meant to pvp that's a huge community too but there's definitely more people that play pve in this game than pvp and it's it's a lot easier to telegraph and understand when you're joining a stream for the first time you know pvp i enjoy watching pvp i watched i think the casters do a great job getting into it but there's so much going on it's harder for people to really pick up on a lot of them in maxing in a pve right. tournament stream versus pve where you join the stream and it's like what's going on oh my god they're they're killing or trying to kill that big rock monster ah. right now. Like, ever, ever, <laughs> oh, ever, no! everyone attack it. Um, so I think it's a, the, the viewership, at least at the very basic level, for somebody who has no idea like what WoW is or how PvE works, it's a bit easier to start following and pick up 
which I think benefits it a lot. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Meow Chan. It's, you know, everybody expected it to do well, I, I guess just not like that well kind of thing. It's also a little bit more slower paced and allows, you know, people to kind of ease themselves in as they're figuring everything, everything out. Like we will have like slow moments where it'll just be puns or we'll say, oh, this is what they're doing. You know, we had a lot of go over the boss mechanics every single time. Like that was one thing I liked out of, um, you know, working with Slew is that, you know, we were always able to have very good coverage of what the boss mechanics were doing. Um, and as, you know, I'm looking at like, what am I going to be saying next? He's going over the boss mechanics, how, how the team is handling it, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, there was, sure, Jack. there was some wild stuff. Well, I, I was going to ask about any awkward or silly stories that surfaced afterwards or any Reddit threads that came up or any forum stuff you've read or been told about and, and like sort of how you've sort of soaked in the last week post the finals. Any like pop up? I don't know who wants this topic first that you want to... I'm actually... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in later because I like to talk, but I, I'm actually kind of curious from... And like Jack and I will probably say... Similar things of, of community and how they perceive the casting and the MDI and everyone else yeah. has their own suggestions for I'm actually kind of curious from Meow Chan's perspective, from the player perspective, especially because, you know, of course, no fault to them. I mean, they played exceptional, but and and even as the casting team, you know, they were they were built up and certainly performed really well. And, you know, they were like the big the big dog to beat and stuff. So there must have been a lot of story there to be told, and then the whole free Marcy fiasco where they beat you guys. How did that turn out? Well, I'm I'm certainly appreciative of all the good coverage we got doing the tournament. I don't think in the end you guys did us any favors. You know, everybody was super prepared fighting against us. They came like, I it was very noticeable that they spent a lot of time on the maps that they with the affixes that they were going to play against us. Um, well, when we came back from the tournament, of course, like uh, like everybody's like. Uh, very supportive and a lot of great feedback and like, oh, you should have won the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess it wasn't meant to be. Um, but immediately the, the thing that was most important to us is we wanted to start preparing for MDI number two. And then we, we have both the issue that we don't know when it is. So we need to like, it's, it's unclear what kind of time schedules we're dealing with here. And then it's it's just the readjusting back into live wow. All of a sudden you have to to do all your gearing, to do all your farming. Um like I need to join a raiding guild. I basically I, I my guild is banded and I didn't join a new guild because well it would interfere with music plus practice. So why would I want it to do raiding right now? Uh, so that's something you need to start doing again. And also we're kinda looking for our place on Mystic Plus on live. Because this week is, is an easy week. You have Sanguine Volcanic Fortified, which is traditionally the easiest week for pushing high. Oh, yeah. But we're kind of asking ourselves what, what's going to happen in the next 11 weeks of the rotation when the hype from MDI dries down a bit. Are people going to still do high keys because of the issues that I mentioned earlier that, that it's very hard to do right now and you have to one-shot all the keys. We, we got a lot of practice in it because that's kind of the way we... We practice for the tournament. Of course, tournament, you also you have to one-shot everything. You don't get to say, like, oops, we wipe. We need to restart the key. Um, but, it, but it is very different. And also, it's, it's a huge coming down of sorts. When you play with the same group of people, like, you have everything just the way you like it. And all of a sudden, you have to start playing with people that you never run this specific dungeon, this specific com, this specific affixes before. And in, it's it's very noticeable difference. The, the quality of run is somewhat lacking, and and that's something that I would like to see be done better by hmm. mostly giving players the option to rerun. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in on our part, I guess, then. Go for um, it. I, I, well, actually, I want to say one thing on kind of all the casters, because, you know, I think all the feedback's good, even if it's kind of like asshole meme feedback. You could still perhaps get, <laughs> you could yeah. still perhaps get something out of it. I mean, that's the yeah. internet, right? I've been working on it for years. I know how it goes down. But, um, one of, you know, one of the feedback that I've seen a lot for the casters is always the, like, one of them was like, I wish we had more knowledgeable casters. And I'm like, you know, like, what? Um, you guys got to understand that this isn't, um, while, while this is meant to be, you know, a race of the best in the world, especially with these first ones, you have to make this approachable from all levels of viewership. Um, a lot of the people joining the stream aren't professional Mythic Plus runners. They have no idea what Mythic Plus maybe even is. They might not even play World of Warcraft. So when they tune into the stream, the reason you hear us say things like trash monsters and explaining the boss mechanics interlaced with then analysis of higher level strats and comp breakdown and that kind of stuff is because you have to hit all notes of viewership in the stream you can't just talk non-stop about the ins and outs and specifics of hardcore tanking and top level tanking and healing and all that kind of stuff because you're going to alienate what actually probably is the large majority of the audience um so a lot of the feedback on that is because not because we don't want to give high level analysis and like it's a joke and all that kind of stuff. It's because you have to, this is a, this is a viewer event, not a watch the top only four teams, analyze them in depth event kind of thing. Um, so, but you know, there's, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a lot of it. And, you know, your job as a caster in the world of esports is, um, you you know well i mean you have a lot of jobs as a caster but one of them is to build the stories of the teams and the players and turn them into heroes and you know turn them into derps if they're derp and all that kind of stuff right. you're not going to rag on a player but that this this first tournament was a lot more focused on introducing the world of mythic plus racing to the audience rather than building you know meow chen the hero one of the best holy paladins of the world at mythic plus etc cetera, etc cetera. you know that's reserved for later so you know, there's a lot to focus on and a lot why we didn't focus on X, Y, Z. Because although PvE is slower paced, there's so much to talk about all the time, too, that we can't... I can't just go off on a tangent talking about tanks for the whole run. I mean, I could, but I probably wouldn't come back again. Um, right. So you kind of have to cover everything. And there's so many people watching specifically for, you know, there's blood DKs that tune in and they want to see DKs and they want to talk about DKs and what's that DK doing and what's that DK spec and what DK legendaries are they wearing, etc. When you have to cover 10 players and two different runs and different boss paths and all this other stuff. So there's only so much airspace. And I, I know Jack like feels that way too. You only try to get as much relevant information as there as we can, but there's also just different levels of viewership that I can't be like, you know, we can't even abbreviations, right? You, you where we can't say things like IBF for DKs, especially for this first tournament. We have to say like Icebound Fortitude, that's a 30% DR for blood DKs. Because the majority of people watching have no idea what IBF is. They've never heard of it, right? You can't alienate a, a huge part of your cast just because you expect to only try and please people that want to see the hardcore stuff. But we try to please that too as much as we can, but there has to be a balance. I mean, that was one thing I, I liked a lot of working with like Sloot and things like that is because there were a lot of like slow moments where you have to make sure that you're, you know, being able to keep on talking, keep on describing what's going on. And that's where you know, we were trying to be able to mix in some more of the advanced information. But then suddenly, instantly somebody dies. There's like, you know, they're pulling way more than you would have expected than other teams did, or somebody's doing something like really aggressive. So that was one thing I liked that we were able to do, you know, using hand signals or just like being able to point it out of like, talk about what you're doing, finish your thought, then transition into like the here and now of like the play by play. 
Yeah, I was also curious about that, that too. Because there was two of you. It's the one qualm I've had with watching, and they're getting better and they're evolving over time because it's the first major, like, big season for Heroes of the Storm. And I've had some Heroes of the Storm casts on, the big tournaments, and their casters, they're using this just play by play and color commentary. But for some reason, it feels like the Heroes team still has to talk nonstop. And there are parts of the MDIs where you guys handed the baton back and forth. I don't know if you did you have someone that was color commentary and someone that was actually play by play? Because you kind of no. both did it. Right. Because then. No, that, no. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, because that, that means like then you try to let's like fill all the air. And sometimes there has to be breaths and pauses to moments. Mm, but that just, just comes agree. with a lot of. Mm, you think so? Okay. I, I don't know, especially in the world of PVE. I mean, there are some people, sure. like, casters talking so much, like, because you have to. Like, there's so much to cover, and right. a vast percentage of what we couldn't talk about because we didn't have time wasn't even covered. I mean, we could talk all day and have, like, a 14-hour post-show analysis for people that well, want to watch that that we could talk about. But you have to fill the air. And some of it was, you know, in humor and jest and puns and, you know, bald jokes and all that kind of stuff. But you have to get down to the nitty gritty in terms of passing the baton. I mean, I think that's just caster synergy that Jack and I, I mean, even us two, like we improve vastly from week one. It's just knowing, knowing the cues from each other and hand signals at the desk of when it's okay. <laughs> of when it's okay. <laughs> of when it's okay to talk and what you should talk about and yeah. you know we had, had we had hand signals if i was talking and jack wanted to make an important point that i should cut my point short yeah still like you never cut each other off you know that kind of stuff but i think i i mean that's that's your job as a as a shoutcaster is to talk about what's going on, not to give dead air and dead space. Otherwise, sure. then just mute the stream if you don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, just an ebb and a flow. I think it comes with a lot of time, right? Sure. It just comes with a lot of time, and 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 the people you're casting with, you have to actually you because if if you the two of you were starting to cast the same, but then if all of a sudden if it was like Slut and Rich, or if it was Rich and Martin, or if it was Martin and Jack, like if you don't get a lot of time together, then you don't. You just need to build that. How do you back and forth to each other naturally? You, you actually have proof for how that worked because Jack was unfortunately not there for the second Saturday. So I actually mm. casted with Rich and with Trekkie that day. And while things went perfect, you could tell that there was a difference between Jack who I had casted with two full sessions already. Right. And those guys that, you know, I'm friends with, I know they're great, but didn't have, you know, just that right. synergy with yet. Yeah, the six eight hours I, of broadcasting together, working together, really makes a difference. Yeah, I really just need to jump in and congratulate you, Slud. I think that you casted this amazingly, and uh, you made the tournament very entertaining to watch. And your um, like overview of all the bosses' mechanics while while saying relevant things. And this is not to take anything away from the other casters, like Jack or anyone else. It just f felt like it needed to be said. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Well, that brings me to, I guess, the biggest takeaways you all had from the MDI before I give you some soapbox time. So I guess, I don't know, I'll throw it back to Jack on this one. Uh oh. I mean, what's your biggest takeaway from this? Like, thoughts on the whole thing, like the meta that's been formed or whatever you experience on the sides and, and go for it. What's your... Um, I think it was kind of intimidating at first of, like, all the people that had so much experience around you know, putting on the shows or just casting experience and stuff like that. Uh, so definitely at first it was just kind of like, holy shit, uh, being around all these people who, you know, were so deeply kind of involved or integrated into the esports and stuff like that. But 
you know, a lot of it kind of set me at ease later on. Just being able to talk to like the director, people talk to, talk to um, the Blizzard esports team, WoW esports team, you know, getting to talk to my fellow casters and stuff like that. Um, it, it was really supportive, and it was it was a nice environment to be a part of, and that was one of the things that uh, really stuck out to me, especially because I was not able to make, like you said, that uh, that second Saturday because I had a funeral to attend to, so the team, you know, was really really responsive. They were able to get me out of the out there for the Sunday for uh, I think it was what NA. And you know they didn't, you know they didn't miss a beat. They were saying, "Hey, you know, do what you need to do. We'll get you there when we can." Stuff like that. So it was nice. It was, um, and then that was one thing that I really liked being able to, you know, have the support from the team and support from the group there, uh, and also just being able to grow with them because everyone was kind of giving each other feedback. Everyone was, you know, really focused on working together and putting on the best show possible. We grew together a lot. Uh, I saw the selfies and pictures on Twitter. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I saw too many of them. Um, and then enough. I'll... Yeah, not enough. That's fair enough. Meowchan, how about you from, <laughs> from your side as a player then? So I mean, you've had you've had a couple points that you've, you've you know, bullet hold, mm -hmm. bullet pointed through the show, but anything, Dick, your, your biggest takeaway from the first one for the first MDI, what do you I think? I think for, for the first tournament they've done a stand-up job, my main concern is uh, how they move forward from this. And I... Like, obviously, I don't speak for Blizzard, but I'm just giving my impression of Blizzard as a, as a player, as somebody who's outside their inner circle. I have the feeling that, that they got somewhat surprised at the success of this. And I feel it's incredibly important that they take the right things to, to keep MDI being a success for the future. It's just Mythic Plus gameplay because almost, almost um, in a backdoorish kind of way, Mythic Plus turned out to be hugely important PvE aspect of the game right now. Like, th this is basically brand new indigen. You had challenge modes and everything, but this is the first time that that something like this is, I think, is a contender with raiding. And again, not to take anything away from raiding. Raiding is great, but raiding isn't always there for you. Because sometimes you log into the game and it's not the raiding hours. Maybe you've already cleared the, all the content and you ask yourself, what am I doing in WoW? And to a large degree, Mythic Plus is a, is a great answer. But it does need the correct support from Blizzard to take this in the right direction so that it will stay relevant and stay interesting and competitive for the players to play. Oh, definitely agree there. I, I mean, especially with like how new Mythic Plus is, I mean, we've kind of seen it grow from like challenge modes and stuff like that, but now it's its own thing, right? So the more support that it gets and, you know, uh, you know the lower ways like you were talking about, Miachin, where they're able to, you know, keep on pushing the competitive aspects of it, um, so it's not only something that's easily accessible by, you know, anybody who wants to do any kind of key where, you know, it may not be the best, like, one-to-one -one ratio, but if you see a team on the tournament, like, oh, they did this, right, or this is how they pulled things. Like, let's, you know, see, let's get on, let's try that, you know, ourselves, all our buddies, you know. That's one of the one of the best things about it. With raiding, you don't really have that because you have to get you and 19 other people together in order mm -hmm. to uh, work things out. Right. And even then, you're still trying to perfect what another group is doing. That's not easy uh, to do at all. Yeah, but definitely is a different microcosm from the viewer perspective watching. And of course, from my outside, I'm not the one playing, I'm not the one casting. But even watching two teams, if they even had the same comp, do different little things in every dungeon, even though the dungeons are exactly identical. And then mm -hmm. you have one different tank on the other side or two different DPS on the other side. It changes the dynamic of both sides a lot to watch in a competitive sense so 
it'll be fun to see how that sort of evolves and goes forward if the MDI continues to be a thing that Blizzard curates in the future. Ted, what's your biggest takeaway yes. from the MDI, other than the fact that you didn't find any hair? <laughs> I used you to have some hair started. I did, I did. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it's, I mean, even with this show and, and on my stream and on social media and Reddit and talking to Jack and Trekkie and Rich a lot, it's just, it, it's just, it's an infinite discussion on what, where we go from here, what can be improved, what was good, what was bad. Um, I think just the takeaway is that they've shown, perhaps most importantly to themselves, that PvE can be introduced as a competitive format um, with their support and building over time. So, you know, that's just, I'm trying to keep this as general as possible because under that falls everything else that we talked about. You know, uh, tournament integrity, bug stomping, how casters can improve... You know, uh, from the player perspective, you know, getting competitive keys on live that isn't tournament realms. I mean, everything, everything and more talked about. Um, but I, the takeaway from the tournament is really that I think overall it was definitely proven that it is very interesting for people and they like it. Mm -hmm. And it's something that will be built upon and probably will see a lot more in the future, hopefully in, in just ever improving ways. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was just a blast. I mean, I just had a lot of fun doing everything from on and off cam, you know, being able to be integrated into the decision process and or at least give suggestions, you know, be involved to, in it, be involved. involved in everything. And even like seeing the players, I mean, there's just guys I've never talked to that I've, I've heard about, you know, like I, I, I run mythic dungeons all day, every day, higher keys too. Unfortunately, I don't have a dedicated team right now. Like Meow Chan does because it's, well, it's tough to find one when you're casting and not competing, but that's what I love doing too. That's what's near and dear to my heart. So it's really nice to finally meet players that you've heard about before. Like Meow Chan, I've never talked to Meow Chan before until this tournament came around. I've talked to him and it's nice to get to know him. So it's just, it's cool to see a lot of relationships and friendships built and, and how the community kind of wants to come together about this and, and improve it, make it better. Especially awesome. after all the people were like PVE sports lull and just like yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's two hundred plus thousand people watching PVE esports or like mm. or like NAE lull and then two APAC finals. <laughs> <Yeah>. APAC. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even win. Yeah, the NAE yep. rivalry now is that they both lost. Spoiler mm. alert. Um, what? 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 Have we lost? Oh, Meanwhile, on Rock Mora in China. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, those poor Chinese fired. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. Well, I guess anyone want a soapbox time to wrap this up? If you have anything else you want to, like, tag out? I asked before, and there was, like, a couple, like, drama parts. I was going to bring up the, like, people stealing people's names on the tournament realm. That was a question the chat was asking about before, too. But, Everybody I mean, wants the drama. Yeah, just like, I mean, are we still in high school? Really? Come on. So, I'm not much for drama, so I, I will I will start maybe on Daisy's fin uh, on lowest level, and we scale from there. When uh, there was this problem where we couldn't get the keys that we wanted to practice, there was one vendor, and he only mm. sold you keys from one affix, and the tournament had five different affix combination. So one of the admin, uh, Zobrix, who was very helpful, he was uh, he offered to do a key rotation where he manually swaps the the vendor affixes around every ten minutes for three hours. Oh wow! And he was floating in there in Dalaran, and he had this radish costume. 
<laughs> and I thought it was really funny. I, I really enjoyed that, that uh, flap. It's a turnip. Yeah, the tur- it's a turnip. Okay, sorry, sorry. So my apologies to Zorbix and uh, and uh, you you bought my heart there. Yeah. Like shout outs. So, he's gonna tweet you now. But but, but no no drama no drama. <laughs> he's, he's in here right now. Yeah yeah. It's a turnip. Good lord. <laughs> it, it is worth saying how how much like emotion went into this tournament obviously on the player perspective oh, but on like good. on the back end perspective too just there was so much like like when when obviously a lot of the nonsense with like the mos bug happened and of course we know the fiasco with upper Kara. i mean that was not like like when we finished casting that day it was not like oh well it happened see you guys like, next time have a good night it was like everybody was super bummed about it like mm. long meeting discuss what do we do they went reviewed timestamps like every possible avenue was explored to make this you know this choice as justified and as viable as possible and improvements going to the next tournament and stuff and you know and i mean just everything and you know i joke about the china thing and i mean i should probably cut it out a bit too but like you know we're, we're really in, everyone's always interested to see like the development of the region and one of the biggest talking points in the back for the casters too was like hey you know maybe you know it's funny in the world of twitch the whole eu na thing but like let's chill it out a bit on stream because the whole goal the the reason it's a global tournament is to kind of bring all the regions together and to to play together and to to show you know some of the better regions uh you know how how they can improve and everyone sees how each other plays so one of the things that i'm looking most forward to in the future of these tournaments is also the the increased skill and participation of the tournaments you know china yeah maybe didn't have the best representation this tournament but they know now what's up they know what to expect and they know how to improve and move forward so right and you also don't want to make and you also want to make sure you don't like isolate or alienate you know like you know if somebody really likes na teams but everyone's gonna be shooting that or the chinese team for that like some of the biggest viewership was from the chinese broadcasts like they were eating it up thank thankfully they couldn't hear what we were saying but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, they have their own. They have their own casters, right, on their yeah, side. Yes, I assume. Yeah. yeah, okay. So hopefully they were nicer. Yeah, it's well, a lot of a lot of like the the Korean Chinese, at least from the the esports that I've seen, like like in from like League, is that it's just like they just hype it up. They don't explain anything. They just freak out and hype it up. So it's very different, very different uh, dynamic on the other sides and compared to EU and NA. So that's pretty funny. I, I imagine. If there are VODs anywhere, I'm sure they're in some Reddit thread somewhere, but... I'm glad that, uh, by the way, Zorbrix was here. I'm sure that he would turn up some... Your mic cut out at the very end of your joke, Jack. Thank so God. I'm so sad. Yeah. Thank God. No. <laughs> um, Damn it. But I don't... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was... Yeah, I mean, it was... A, like, the thing is, you know, Jack mentions, like, kind of shitting on some teams. I mean, in my opinion, like, we did have a meeting about it after... Um, and, and, you know, the main thing was like, you know, in the world of Twitch on my personal stream, Jack's personal stream, you know, are we going to drop some rock Mora like jokes for team MPE? Sure. But there's, there's a time and place to do that in your own stream and whatever. And then there's certainly a time and place when you don't do that when you're on like a blizzard stream, blizzard global, time. you know what I mean? It's, it's okay to, if it look, like I said at the beginning of this, this is a team, this is a tournament consisting of what should be the best teams in the world in their yeah, region yeah, period. Yeah. So if they're not performing appropriately, I mean, you're going to tear them up a bit. It's just the way it is. These are teams that are supposed to be practiced, have some of the best players, strats, etc. So if they're messing up, you can dig into them a bit in a professional sense, but you can never start to alienate regions. Like, that's that's a no-no. You can never start to, like, really trash on players that maybe you personally don't like outside the stream. Like, that's just not professional, you know? So there's a time and place for everything. 
Unfortunately, some of the regions are just slightly weaker than others. We've seen it in the qualifying with China, especially. You saw the the levels that the A teams who qualified on, and it was something like 20s and 21s compared to 23s and Well, And that's only a few digits, but that's a lot of HP damage. It's 10% exponential per level. Per X, yeah, that's a lot. That's a huge deal. And people were talking about like how they do the MDI in the future and like what the plus, what will the mythic plus key be, but that's all subject to the
But around the table again, thank you for being the fresh meat on the show, Meow Chen. He yeah, was people, for having me. People always wonder who who is this guy? He healed for Raider IO, and you can check out all the stats. I'm gonna actually plug Raider IO right now. And the Blood Elf in the purple transmog. There it is. Go check out Raider IO <laughs> for all their coverage of the event. It's all right there. Or you can go check out Meow Chan healing things on his stream at what is it? Meow Chan TV. There it is. But thank you very much, sir. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thanks again. There's there's Jack who does things on the internet and heals poorly and dies. Just wow. one shot. You can tell I'm friends. It like I just talk, yeah. But oh, he's yeah. automatic Jack on Twitch, and uh, you can go check him out over there. Maybe maybe yeah. do some holy dungeons, Jack. Maybe. Yeah, use some holy dungeons. Use some disc dungeons. You know. Um, I can't wait to watch those it. plus nines. <laughs> well, this I'm, I'm not Rob here playing, alright? Come on, give me a little. Uh, wow. Do want to give a little bit of shout out to the uh, just the whole crew putting on the show, the MLG team, um, the admins and observers from GCD TV were awesome. It was great to be able to work with them. Uh, you know, the Blizzard Esports team, Zorbricks and Jeremy there uh, were really, really fucking awesome. And then, of course, the other casters. I mean, uh, the feedback that you know they were able to give me, just some of the mentoring and stuff like that, was really, really awesome. So, hopefully, I get to work with them more in the future. Awesome. Thank you on the show again, sir. This is your third time, was it right? That's right. Salute and I both had our third time. No, it was Ted's fourth time. No, this is my fourth. Sorry, this is my fourth. Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, no, no. yeah, because there is... Oh, actually, I meant it's my fifth. <laughs> <laughs> you're tied. I knew you were tied. Yeah, yeah, fourth. yeah. Promise. But there's there's this guy. The, the, he's on Sorry, the internet. <laughs> this is, who's this? Yeah, just relate into your camera, Ted. Get in there. Get, Not bad. No, yeah. But you can go follow Sloot over on his stream on Sloot Bag. He streams like all the time. That's all you do now. You just leave him that chair, basically, right? That's, you just... I have. I need to like install like a mini fridge on the side of his chair. Or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just power. ask ask Trekkie how to use mini fridges. He knows. <laughs> but thank you for on the show uh, fourth fourth time, sir. Appreciate it. Any, any shout outs or anything uh, you want to throw out there? Yeah, I mean, just just everyone, man. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, everyone on the back end. This was Jeremy. Kyle, everybody, all the casters too. That just, I mean, we, we just, you know, part of why everything works so well is everyone just works so well together internally, from the casters to, to, you know, back end with all all the jobs they did. And honestly, you know, of course, to everyone who watched as well, but to the players themselves, like Yaushin. I mean, this tournament wouldn't exist with the interest of the players in the first place, making it what it is, and uh, you know, coming out and and even post tournament, you know, guys like you, Adam, that. Are providing interest and insight into this tournament and just further advertising the future potential of it and, and how just really showcasing how passionate people like Miao Chen and well everyone and us you know how interested they are in the community to make sure this is a, a success moving forward and improves for everyone yeah that's awesome i appreciate that i uh there's oh zillion say we should revisit final boss tv number one and get sleep back and trekkie on i don't know about that Let me... cool. gosh <laughs> I had enough of him this past month when he was staying. Yeah, goodness gracious. But yeah, that, that sounds it for us. And again, if you've missed any part of the episode, YouTube for the whole thing, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play for the audio-only versions. Again, if you want more of the show and to make sure it keeps going because the adpocalypse is upon us, check out the Patreon page for the show notes and more podcasts that are only available right here. There's hours, hours and hours and hours of me talking to the, the guests on these shows so go check those out if you are interested. Upcoming shows, of course, we have different community spotlights that are not WoW-related as the show sort of grows and branches into other little avenues. 
We do have the pre-BlizzCon special, October the 29th. I'm sitting down with Bellular, Taliesin, and Evatel. It's going to be a full show. We'll talk about pre-BlizzCon. And then the post-BlizzCon special, as it is written in canon for like the fourth time in a row, November the 12th, I'll be sitting down with Preach, and I think Ghosty will be in the background being weird, and Novel will be on the show again. Those are the two big shows you can look for in the future. But thank you very much for watching and listening. We'll see you all in the future shows on Sundays, always 4 o'clock Eastern. It's been this way for so long. But thank you all for watching. This show was also done completely on Discord the first time ever. So the audio was really nice, but some of the video stuff, it just went live. So a little bit of beta testing on the video. We'll give them feedback, but everything else. Thank you very much, Discord, for finally replacing a 10-year-old archaic gross program, which I no longer name. But thank you very much for listening and watching today, trusting your, your seal of artifact power. And until next week, everybody. <gasps> bye! Oh, bye! Wave bye! And nice people, wave, wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, there you go. That's, that works too.